listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a bastard! Didn't know what happened to him there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down-home cheating. Good down-home good down cheating. Sure. Welcome back to another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. Lost in time and space. We don't know where we are. I don't know where we are. But anyway, it's good to be back, everybody. Corey's had a little bit of an injury. He took a superplex the wrong way. <laughs> took a bad bump on the trap door. <laughs> that's right. He's back. Jug of milk took me out. <laughs> a jug of milk. That's right. It's, man, it's, but it's great. You know, you get this, this oh, white everywhere. You know, yeah, the crowd right. loves it. Big pop. <laughs> yeah. If Austin can hit Booker T with some groceries in a, <laughs> that's right. in, a, in a store, I guess I can take a bump too. But we won't worry about that. We're worried about what we can talk about, which is wrestling. And we're here for Saturday night's main event, January 4th, 1987 edition. It's the big cage match. It's an amazing show. But before we get there... We've unearthed what we were looking for. We were missing something last show, and then what I couldn't find, I suddenly found. So we've got to circle back because we have a unthinkable tag team main event style match that must be covered, and we're going to do that right now. Yeah, it's all the promises that were made but never kept except for those lucky New York fans who really are the heart of what the McMahons were doing. That was their home base. When we started tuning into the WWF and and actually got to look at it, it was all about these two iconic personalities and the 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 Darth Vader of the time <laughs> was Roddy Piper and our Luke Skywalker was Hulk Hogan and things all started with those two guys in New York now this gets into some nerdy stuff but I guess that would be the brawl for it all yeah I believe so yeah okay so right at the beginning of rock and wrestling Hogan and Piper had a singles match of course, I think it was after that match that Piper cut this amazing sweaty promo and Danny DeVito was there and it was all just magical. And it made you, it makes me always wonder how the Hogan-Piper feud was kind of uh, unfulfilled. We didn't see Hogan versus Piper at WrestleMania. Like, how did that not happen? A singles match that had a proper build, probably, you know, a betrayal. Like, we, we got so much Hogan versus Savage that's to come. And, like, it's great. But they missed the chance, I think, to really properly work out an angle between Hogan and Piper. But it was, that was the, what, that's what hooked us, I yeah, think. Yeah, for sure. It's what got everybody's eyeballs on things. And there was all these house shows, but there definitely wasn't the televised amount of things we get. You know, we've detailed it before. We have our MTV special. We have the singles match at the tournament, the wrestling classic. We have the tag match at WrestleMania. We have Hogan fighting Bob Orton on Saturday's main event and Piper's in his corner. But like, we never quite get this really high focus. Like, What's behind it all? Yeah. And part of that's because Piper didn't want to lay down. so He didn't want to lose lunchbox sale, sales. That's right. <laughs> right. Had he been more interested in doing that, probably would have had a Saturday Night's Main Event match, if nothing else, you know, I would assume. Like, they would have built up to that. Absolutely. Well, part of it would have been, first, they got to be pals. 
They got to tag up. <laughs> yeah. And here it is. This is the beginning of the uneasy alliance, which in this fantasy world would blossom into a kind of Mr. Wonderful type friendship where it's Hogan and Piper uh, defeating all the evils until, <laughs> yeah. you know, one of them pulls a heel turn. It could have even been Hogan. Imagine Hogan pulling a heel turn, <laughs> yeah. you know, for a WrestleMania. And just, you know, anything could have happened. But because we all know how successful Hogan turning heel became in the yeah. 90s. It was like yeah. the, almost the biggest thing ever. Yeah, and they were scared to mess with the merchandise sales, especially that early in the 80s. Like, yeah, you know, as long as we're fantasizing oh, and yeah, imagining exactly. what could As long as been. kids buy Hogan bad guy shirts, then no problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but this step turns out was taken. Step one. And this is like we found that Piper's Pit previous episode where they basically, as both as good guys, let's call Piper, um, they kind of had this standoff with some WWE officials there and talked about how you know Hogan liked what he'd seen out of Piper and keep on the right track. And, and Hogan even alluded to the fact that, you know, at the end of the line, our two roads are going to meet, you know, like yeah. this, this time hero versus hero instead of, you know, major villain versus hero. So... Chapter one, the uneasy alliance. <laughs> or I guess this will be chapter two or three already because we've had the brawl for it all. We yeah. had WrestleMania one. We've had yeah. WrestleMania two. We're to settle the score, I think, would be the uh, the Piper Hogan match. It's, oh. it's the second one. All it's right. the second MTV dust special. Off, dust off your buzzers. Yes, yeah, right. Brawl for, brawl for <laughs> it all would be the uh, would Rick, be Richter the Richter and in Moolah match. Ah, yeah. right, right. Anyway, okay, good. All right, so uh, at least we caught that. In real time. In, in, in-house. in In-house, real time. No buzzers. <laughs> It'll be anyway, a buzzer. <laughs> point being that it's New York, and I haven't got the date down, but this is going to be late 86? It's, 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 uh, it's November 86, so I was looking for an 87, I was, pardon me, I was looking for a December 86 match that I could not find, and then I was like... Maybe I can even just find a local promo for that match. That would even be kind of cool. And that's when I came across this November match, which like, I couldn't find in the last several weeks when I was looking for it. Couldn't find it. And all of a sudden, magically, one day, it's there. Well, on the screen, we have the MSG Network logos, and they have somebody boo-booed. It's a handicap match. It's Paul Orndorff by himself taking on <laughs> Piper and Hogan. And like, uh-oh. So, yeah, somebody screwed up. There's no king. And then, like, it's funny because there's a little tracking glitch for those of you who had VHSs. The little thing rolling. Yeah, on the and, screen. and then they, they get it right. They yeah. actually somebody puts up the uh, what do we what'd you call it before? A cry- cryons or Chiron? Chirons. Okay, and then Harley Race's name is up there. I also thought uh, that this is all. What I think is interesting is that Harley Race wasn't even on the scene a year ago, and now here he is with all the elite talent. Hogan. Yeah. Piper, Orndorff. It's like, in a sense, this is all bow yeah. to Harley Race. All bow to Harley Race. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. They know who he is, right? Yeah, yeah. Hogan's building his legend right now, but Harley Race's legend has already cemented. Yeah, it's that's right. in place, and Piper hasn't achieved that. Orndorff hasn't achieved that. You know, yeah. They're the big stars, but they're all like, okay, tonight we... So anyway, I, I just kind of like as a... I like to think about how all of them are acknowledging that, you know, hey... Uh, he's the man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> At least tonight. And further to that, it's his music that plays. That's right. <laughs> Catchy tune. And we cut to backstage in a dressing room door, and the door opens. Bobby Heenan comes out, 
followed by the king, and then Mr. Wonderful, number one, he's trailing like that's some right. puppy yeah, dog. Right. <laughs> no music. He's like, you know, he's playing second fiddle, but, yeah. you know. Anyway, so um, that's, it's, it's, the, it's, it's Harley's night. Now, Gorilla makes reference to a Piper's Pit where the, uh, the challenge was issued and go get yourself a partner, he said. I'm assuming that it was the bad guy saying that to Piper because, like, who would expect Piper to come up with Hogan as his Exactly, part- yeah. And just to clarify, they did a lot of these house show Piper's Pit that didn't air on syndicated TV. So the previous month at MSG would have been a Piper's Pit where this challenge was laid. And here we are the next month. So probably October MSG challenge laid, November challenge accepted. Right. The whole once a month, let's go check out the wrestling. Yeah. And you have your own private storyline, you know, to see like, okay, now Bruno's going to get revenge. (laughs) You had that match one. (laughs) Visually, Orndorff has got his red robe, his rhinestones, beautiful robe. Ric Flair is always 10 steps ahead of him, but still Orndorff looks great. Uh, The king always wears purple, the regal color, of course, and he's got his crown. When they get to the ring... (laughs) Heenan doesn't quite hold the ropes open oh, enough. right. And Orndorff kind of does a toe trip on his yeah, way in. Yeah, yeah, And he ends up getting mad at Bobby and yelling and shouting, pointing at the ropes and, and getting all fun. Bobby's trying to come him down. So this is great <laughs> shtick before, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's fun to see. That kind of reminds me of the October main event when he kind of pushes Bobby out of the way when they're coming through right. the backstage door. Yeah. And the crowd pops when he, when he trips. Oh, yeah. Big. I love it. Like, this crowd is amazing. As, as like... A different vibe than the teenage girls for Ricky Morton, but this is like one of the hottest crowds I've ever seen in my life. So, anyway, that's great fun. Uh, <laughs> Paul's angry. <laughs> so, uh, Bobby gets the mic and he says, uh, All right, all you people, I want you to rise and show proper respect for the king of wrestling. It's Harley's night. That's right. And then he says, Long live the king. Wonderful. And repeats himself. Yeah, that's right. The chanting. Yeah. Lots of booze. Lots of yeah, booze. Yeah. So now Piper comes out on his own. No music, but the roar is just massive. Uh, Hogan doesn't want Piper to enjoy too much because <laughs> his music starts pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. You that's know, right. he must yeah. be watching. He's like, okay, that's enough. Because <laughs> you know, once Piper gets close to the ring, Real American starts, but not not with that. I'm not the slow part. And, and they now it. know to like, get right into the yeah. crunchy riff. Because uh, it's, it's too slow a start. Hogan's got blue knee pads on tonight, so no red. Okay. Yeah, but the, the otherwise yellow. Messing with the look. Trunks and, and boots. He's got his music, of course, and he's got his, it's Pirate Hogan. He's got the headband in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I got a theory. That's because probably somebody would give it a yank and he'd be like, oh, his head would jerk back, you know, <laughs> you know, if he left the headband dangling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. happened to him. So he's like, that's it. <clears throat> Clamp it between his teeth. Right. So he gets to the ring and like, it's pretty cool. There's a ring full of enemies, you know, there's yeah, Hogan yeah. looking at Piper and Harley Race and Paula Horndorf and, you know, and Bobby Heenan. It's uh, I don't know. There's something magical about it would, this it match. Been, it would have been, you know, it would have been wild if like, they just sort of like they, the match is about to start. And then like Piper just looks over at the bad guys and is like, turns to Hogan, like, <laughs> like to square off against them, like three against one. <laughs> yep. But that would de- deprive us of yes. all the fun. That's right. So we have a bit to do. Um, an angle to work out. Hogan gets in the ring and Orndorff rushes him. All four start to brawl. Uh, the king leaves the ring too soon and Piper has no dance partner. Orndorff and Hogan continue to trade blows, but Harley takes one punch and kind of bails out. Right. So, so Piper's left there, you know, kind of like the raging bull snorting, nostrils <laughs> flaring and like kind of swaying back and forth. Yeah. Like, who's next? But like, there isn't anybody. <laughs> he's he's uh, got nobody. Bobby, so he's, get in there. <laughs> yeah. So he's looking around. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to work out the whole Piper and Hogan don't see each other. 
back into each other, bump yeah, into each other, and almost part, clobber yeah. each other, yeah. right? But like I say, uh, Harley's gone too soon, so uh, Orndorff kind of—I mean, Piper, Piper has gets, spent too much time waiting for that spot to develop. Yeah, you know, that's that, right. That's the problem. He's—he's—he's—he's—he uh, he's, he's, knows he's the man who knew too much, <laughs> and so he sees it, and then he's got to basically like. You know, like, oh, where's where'd yeah. Harley go? Where'd Harley go? He's gonna walk away. When I was away. watching it, he kept looking over his shoulder, like yeah. he, he totally knew what was going on. Yeah. And so it didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a good version of that. I've seen a much, much better version of yeah. this whole accidental back to back. Yeah, <laughs> they botched the bit, but this crowd couldn't care less. These guys, <laughs> you know, could not do wrong. You know, yeah. they could just do something profane, and the crowd, wow, ah, would love it. So they're so excited uh, to see this team up, and I have to say, I was along for the ride too. The old bump and hold your fire bit where <laughs> they turn around, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know. So that's what they're, the crowd is roaring as their fish, fists are clenched and they both still got their gear on, right? Yeah. So now they simultaneously rip their shirts off and they're <laughs> glaring at each other and it's like they're ready to throw punches, but no, they throw their shirts at each other. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> each guy gets a face full of the other guy's t-shirt <laughs> and then they're just like snorting and like, but then Hogan says, oh look, there's the bad guys. And Piper looks over his shoulder and he sees, sure enough, the bad guys are coming in. Yeah. So we get this um, attack. It's like a tag team kind of thing. It's on like, imagine Hogan's going to put the Heimlich on Piper. Oh, then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that allows, so Hogan does that. He laces his arms under Piper's uh, armpits and grabs him by the chest so that they're both facing the bad guys. Yeah. And this allows Piper to lift both his feet yeah. to give a double boot. This is what Hogan did with Steamboat in the, the three on two with the managers, like that that tag team, mixed tag team match where it was right. like two managers and. Uh, right. in Morocco and he's lifting up Steamboat to mule kick everybody. <laughs> yeah. So we get a double boot to the king but Orndorff comes in too close. Yeah. So he gets a scissor clamp strike. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? The whole thing was a bit botchy. <laughs> yeah. But this crowd doesn't care. <laughs> Hogan punches Harley Race. Piper punches Orndorff. The king hits the mat. Piper goes for an eye poke. Orndorff staggers to his position uh, on the apron, takes up, well, he, I don't know if he grabs the rope so much, but he goes to where, you know, he's, he's moving, he's moving on. Yeah. He's got to get out of the ring and the yeah. match has got to begin. And the ref chases Hogan to his corner. And now, man, I'll bet you that Harley Race had a sore arm. They just do not let up. They work That's his right. arm for the next eight minutes. It's like practically the whole match. Anyway, and here's it begins. So Piper puts an arm ringer on Harley Race, and then he strikes it with an uppercut, you know, strikes him in the uh, upper arm, and he's twisting it. The king is able to use his other arm to scoop up Piper and give him a body slam, which allows uh, him to escape the arm bar. Well, it's not an arm bar, but just, you know, the arm, arm twist, arm lock. Harley Race goes for an elbow drop. Piper rolls out of the way, stands up, Grabs that wrist, twists that arm again. <laughs> he drags Harley Race over to his corner, and who's there but his mortal enemy, Hulk Hogan? It's He-Man and Skeletor. Oh my God! <laughs> so they have this, this, this dirty look. The crowd is screaming, and he tags him in. Piper hangs on to Harley Race. These guys are actually a pretty good team. That's Hogan right. climbs up to the uh, Brett's rope, as my OSW boys would say. The second turnbuckle That's they call right. Brett's yeah, rope. Yeah. And Hogan does a double axe handle onto that poor Harley Race arm. He twists it. He gives an elbow to the arm, and he tags Piper back in. Same spot. Now Piper climbs to the second turnbuckle, Brett's rope, and does the, I'm crazy, gesture. Hands on his ears and then straight out. Ah! I don't know what's going to come out of my crazy brain. And he jumps and hits Harley Race's trapped arm. The king is selling it. Oh, he makes these facial expressions of pure agony. Poor guy. <laughs> Who's in the ring? Can't keep track. <laughs> 
So, uh, right. Okay. Piper's come off the second turnbuckle and hit his arm. He continues to wring that arm and twist it, does a couple rotations, tags Hogan back in after a dirty look, of course. That's right. Hogan does a slingshot, bounces off the rope, and he comes with a big boot to that trapped arm. The King's selling it like crazy. Hogan has a, a does what looks to me like actual, a legitimate kind of judo way to dislocate somebody's arm, like he might have learned this from Hiro Matsuda or something. What Hogan does is he, he twists the arm, and now he's facing away from like Harley races behind him and then he uses some Greek philosopher said give me a lever big enough and I will move the world he basically kind of an arm breaker shoulder dislocator over his own shoulder <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, and it's like with leverage and stuff like that you could easily pop a guy's shoulder out of its socket right yeah very easily anyway uh, it's safely done that's good if Hogan you know it looks like he knows some actual judo scary moves <laughs> Yeah, anyway. we've seen that move in wrestling a bit, yeah. Right, yeah. It's one that really looks to me like if you did it, if you wanted to, like, yeah, anyway, point made. What we need is a proper name for it. <laughs> so there's another stare down. Piper comes in. He's hitting that trapped arm. They keep working it. And now they slow things down a little bit because it's been a crazy pace so far. I mean, I'm not talking about letting go of that arm. That's I'm just right. talking about, you know, relaxing a little bit. <laughs> Harley Race headbutts Piper, and he has a stumble into a trap. Orndorff kind of gets a hold of him, and he starts grappling him on the ropes. <laughs> and just as Orndorff is lining up, lining up one of his kind of bionic elbows, because Piper's kind of leaned back into him, and, and yeah. he can't really see Orndorff, he's just about to, as he's swinging it down, Piper kind of like springs out of there, and it gets a big pop for just like a big swing and a miss. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and we go back to an arm ringer. Piper's able to get uh, Harley Race uh, once again into that arm lock. He, now he does five consecutive rotations, just like completely, <laughs> you know, the, the illusion of twisting right. his arm five times in a row. The camera pans back out to see that there's nothing left but an arm. The body's right. not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. And he's glaring at Hogan. The crowd is screaming. He tags Hogan in. Hogan keeps working that arm. And uh, I do think I need a new trademark here. What am I going to call it? I'll go with the pit drop. <laughs> the pit drop is when you take that trapped arm and you go to the apron. You leave your guy in the ring, but you basically put the top rope into his armpit. Right. Armpit, yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. drop from the apron to the floor. Yeah, you're like snapping his arm, his yeah. trapped arm in, in, in armpit. Essentially, you're driving that third rope up into his armpit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So the pit drop. <laughs> Trademark.com. We're going to see that later in the show as well. There's another pit drop <laughs> coming up. He tags Piper. These guys are tagging like crazy. Orndorff hasn't even been in the ring legally yet. Piper comes in and he's kicking that trapped arm. These guys are working uh, very, they got, they've got a real focus going. Finally, the momentum swings. Harley Race grabs the back of Piper's head, basically a handful of hair. And with good timing, Paul Orndorff puts his foot through the ropes and... Harley Race drives Piper's head into Paul Orndorff's boot. Then he pulls off a quick belly-to-belly -belly suplex, the King's finisher. So Piper is quite stunned by this, you know, yeah. devastating maneuver. Heavy, heavy attack. <laughs> and we get the heel tag. Finally, Mr. Wonderful is in to the match. He actually climbs up to the top rope for an elbow drop to get in. Piper takes that, and uh, Piper's now going to take some beats. He's going to be a bit of a Davy Boy Smith here for a while. <laughs> Before he leaves, Harley Race holds Piper's feet so that uh, Paul Orndorff can get in some effective attacks. Uh, the action spills to the outside of the ring, trading blows. 
Piper makes his, I, th- I think that what happens here is that Piper ends up getting into some trouble with race outside of the ring and has basically the small of his back slammed into the apron. Right. Uh, a la Dream Team and Rougeau's. Either that or I'm reading my notes wrong. But anyway, it's Piper taking the beats <laughs> at the mercy of the Heenan family. Piper gets back into the ring. Orndorff follows him. There is an Irish whip and a clothesline, uh, which uh, flattens Piper. And then Orndorff drops a pointy elbow into his throat, tags in the king, Harley Race. Harley Race goes for an elbow drop, and Hogan's had enough because Piper's taken a bunch of beatings. So he comes in to protest, and uh, he gets chased out by the ref. The heels continue to work Piper. They're trying to build a hot tag. Uh, He gets a clothesline from Harley Race. And then Harley Race takes his time. I mean, the guy's, you know, at the the, the peak of his career has already come and gone, so he's a little slower. He picks up. Piper puts him on his shoulder and gives him a power slam, but he's not in a rush. (laughs) Tags in Paul Orndorff, who starts with a reverse chin lock and then ends up with a face lock. Piper gets to his feet and he he elbows uh, Orndorff, so they have a chance for a crisscross. Harley Race does a a bit of a Jim Neidhart sneak kick to uh, Piper's back, but he doesn't see it, doesn't sell it. Right. Oops. Just carries on. Piper succeeds in the shoulder block and then tries to follow up with a sunset flip, but it doesn't get the three count. Right. Orndorff is able to kick uh, kick out. There is a heel tag. The King suplexes Piper. A knee drop tags Paul Orndorff back in, and they're taunting Piper. He rallies. There's some punches that are exchanged, but uh, it's not enough. The, the 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 bad guys are too much, so his rally uh, fails, and and the bad guys are still in control. Hogan comes in again, and the ref chases him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harley Race is holding Piper while. Paul Orndorff knees him in the back, and they're building the hot tag. It doesn't happen yet, though. Paul, uh, Piper's going for it, but he gets cut off. There's a headbutt by Harley Race. And then Piper does make this, sort of does a sidestep, and a huge diving leap manages to tag in Hogan. Crowd goes bananas. There's, this is the first good guy hot tag. That's they're right. just screaming. Hogan comes in, and he's battering Harley Race. He whips him to the corner, the famous followed up by a clothesline. Hogan does it every match. Mr. Yeah. Wonderful comes in. Hogan hits him. We get a double noggin knocker for the Heenan family. Hogan gives an atomic drop to Harley Race and a running clothesline. Uh, we have uh, what looks like the finish. Bounce <laughs> yeah. off the ropes, leg drop, and we're thinking, oh, no. That's right. Harley Race's party is over. But no, Mr. Wonderful breaks it up. So they get to protect Harley Race from Hogan's finisher. That's right. Piper and Paul Orndorff mix it up, and they spill out of the ring, and then Bobby's up on the apron. Bad idea, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Hogan catches him and clobbers him. Piper is uh, exchanging punches with Harley Race. Hogan leaves the ring to chase Bobby, and now we're going home. Uh, Piper is in there with both of the bad guys, yeah. and at one point, they're, they looks like they got the better of them. Yeah. So Harley Race is able to hold Piper for, I'll hold him and you get him. So <laughs> Orndorff's like, yeah, 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 great. Basically, Harley Race is holding Piper's arms behind his back as uh, Piper runs to the ropes, bounces off them, and comes with a big devastating clothesline, but Piper ducks, <laughs> and he hits Harley Race with it. And as if we haven't had enough botches already this match, Paul Orndorff stands there and scratches his head while Piper <laughs> covers Harley Race, and he waits till two and three quarters before he try, tries to break up the pin. Yeah, he almost but, has to like make himself take a path so that he can't get there, you know? Like he has another to Another botch. Yeah. <laughs> He's like yeah. Timing's off. It's the uh with the Crockett Cup where it's like Wahoo's like, I'm right there, I can kick you. Uh never mind. <laughs> yeah. These road warriors are too much. <laughs> you know? like, that's it. He throws in the towel, just take it. Just take take it. the fall. Stay down. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's the end of the match. Uh, Piper does manage to pin Harley because Paul Orndorff cl- yep. uh, clotheslined his own guy. The damage from your partner is always more deadly. Yes. <laughs> I didn't mean it. It was for you, not him. <laughs> and uh, But but the, the fun's not over. Oh, not at all. The announcers point out that uh, Piper wasn't actually the legal man, but that doesn't seem to play any other role in the events that follow. Horndorf. Uh, Horndorf. 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 <laughs> Hornswoggle shows up. So Piper is celebrating on the apron and the crowd is just, you know, cheering him. Hogan manages to uh, somehow, he, he's fighting with Orndorff back in the ring. Hogan's in the ring. Piper turns around from outside of the ring, looks at Hogan, and gives him the whole, what I'll call the up yours. It's not yeah. the finger, but one arm is arm. horizontal and the other arm goes lateral. And you just kind of like, you know. <laughs> the crook of the elbow. <laughs> yeah, the crook of the elbow. That's right. I, I think it, I take it to mean up yours. And Hogan looks betrayed. He's like, what? He's upset. And Piper leaves. Yeah. And it's very heelish because you're like, totally. what? What yeah. now if like they leave Hogan in a bloody mess? It's like, oh, oh, Piper, you That's right. You total villain. Anything could happen. It's Hogan versus the entire Heenan family. And they go to work. And I think we the <laughs> Bobby Heenan goes to work That's on right. Hogan. Because he's got one arm held by Harley Race, the other arm held by Paul Orndorff. They punch out the ref before they get busy. And then Bobby starts battering Hogan. <laughs> but not for long. Hogan basically pulls his mighty arms together and the two heels clash into each other and spill out of the ring, leaving once again poor Bobby <laughs> to fend for himself. Oh, Bobby. Oh, yeah. Hogan whips Bobby into the corner, but Bobby decides, you know, when you're running, you, you get to take your own bump. That's so right. he dives between the second and the third turn buckle to, pay, to take basically the corner post to the shoulder. Oh, man. Which, you know, himself? you can sell as a broken bone because you're hitting metal. Yeah. And then Hogan, uh, the bad guys get their manager out of there and they head to the backstage while Hogan plays an extended who who can cheer the loudest for me. Yeah, you know, watching the end of the match, I kind of thought Piper was going to maybe come back, you know, like sort of part of the good guy evolution would be like, okay, I can't really leave him, you know, getting triple teamed. So then Hogan had to have his own comeback and that was kind of felt that took away the steam of Piper taking off on him. Like he didn't really, you know, to me, the effectiveness of Piper taking off on him, the exclamation point would have been him to actually take the beat down. Yeah, get bloodied or whatever. Yes, that would. Well, yeah, indeed. Uh, as it goes, um, it was still pretty cool the way that Piper took off. I, I was definitely uh, enjoying Piper's villainous attitude <laughs> yeah, as he left. Yeah, yeah. Like, screw you, Hogan. I liked it. Yeah, and that they weren't like hugging at the end yeah. or something. Yeah, I like that. Or even at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't I, walk out together. Yeah. Right? But I'm, I, I mean, I, I didn't want Piper to come and save him. I liked that tension. Yeah. And you, you you make a good point. But anyway, dream match. Holy cow. I uh, can't believe it happened. I'm just glad you found it. Yeah. Multi-time NWA world champion Harley Race with the, you know, the top three kind of from 85 of WWF, which is like Hogan, his new buddy, Paul Orndorff, who becomes his, his biggest enemy. And then his biggest enemy who becomes his nervous ally. <laughs> yeah. Shaky and, ally. You know, Piper has... Um, of course, he comes back to the, he leaves the WWF and he comes back to the WWF and there is some gold in his future, but he never quite hits main event status. Yeah. There isn't a, and, and, and yeah, no, he's, he's, I mean, he's main eventing house shows and things like that, but as far as like the, the right, whole, sorry. the whole uh, pay-per-view, WWF storyline, pay-per-view main yeah, event, the whole WWF storyline, his future endeavors are always in the role of like supporting legend, you know, even like, and I'm, I'm talking like stuff like 89. Like I'm not talking about when he's coming back in the two thousands. I just mean like, there's a point where he's like, he's past the point where he could be the, the big star. Cause he, you know, for a few reasons, but him and McMahon had the falling out 
Yeah. Uh, well, he has a great IC, you know, he gets to do the IC stuff, but for him, the IC belt is not his launching board to the world title. No. It's his replacement run, you know, like you chose your own path and you're going to be, you know, yeah. you're going to get, sorry, I'm going, you, you get to... You, you don't get to be the guy. You get yep. to be second place. You know, yep. I see guy. That reminds me, actually. I, I, you're quite right. Piper's headlining house shows. Headliner, hundred percent. Like I should choose my words carefully, because Jake got really mad at this guy that interviewed him. This guy was like, "So Jake, this maybe prevented you from being a headliner." And he's like, "Fuck you! I was a headliner, you piece of shit." And this guy's like, "Oh, I meant, uh, I meant, uh, you know." This guy's like backtracking. I didn't mean like that, but yeah, yeah. This idea that like, there's the, if you're not the top spot that everything else sucks or something, right? Like, right. This, Meanwhile, this... there's two or three shows on any given night and you could be in the main event yeah. at a house show. And so yeah. Jake took offense. And so I didn't mean to suggest that Piper was not a headliner. I just mean, I meant that, you know, WrestleMania four should have been like the, the big, yeah. you know, where's what happened to Piper's like rise and the promises that were made. Us having some laughs at uh, a newer Facebook page or whatever it is that's posting wrestling content and, whoever's responsible for it has sort of taken up the thing of saying like, Oh, look at this person. And they've made events these things. And they, they don't and like, they clearly, they clearly don't know what they're talking about. Cause they're listing things like, um, the last match on Saturday night's main event as if that's the main event. So saying like, Oh, this guy got to main event, Saturday, this Saturday's main event. When it's like, no, no, the Hogan match at the beginning of the card was the main event. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. We're confusing our verbiage here. Yeah. So it's like the most important match uh, usually goes on last, but there are exceptions and, Chinese main event is one of them. Funny, I thought that this was going to be our main event, so I thought I, I got a little confused at which was what show. Yeah, because uh, this was a pretty epic. It's a happening. That's right. Okay, we have time to very quickly touch on a little bit of a correction section. Yes, we're going to set things straight with the correction section. They're coming to your city, the town, superstar <laughs> traction to make corrections. <laughs> All right, here we go. So from uh, that last setup show for Science Fan Event, we talked a little bit about the Rock and Roll Express versus Bulldogs match and where it maybe took place, and I mistakenly said Japan. So it was it was in Kansas City, and it was an AWA show, but I think it was also like another show. Like, it was weird. The announcers, they mentioned some other territory or federation, so I'm just like, I'm confused. I don't know. I looked it up. Everything says AWA on all the video links, and, and if you look it up in, like, Wikipedia or something like that, but it did seem like the commentators were, you know, using a different acronym for, you know, maybe a different... They probably had... It was probably a joint show or something like that. Who knows, right? Um, so something else that came up we talked about is other dogs, you know, what, what are... All the dogs, you know, the spot, this moon dog spot and all right. that stuff. So what I know is that this list is not comprehensive. There's did we no get Pelican, the Winnipeg guy? No, I, he's on here. So okay, yeah, that's yeah, right. So yeah, we, we didn't Winnipeg come up with guy. too many, but here's here's some ones that we missed in no particular order. Uh, it current Currently, Roman Reigns kind of uses the big dog, Roman Reigns. It's kind of oh. one, of, one of his, I think, many uh, <laughs> um, tribal chief or whatever. But I mean, Big Dog is one of them. But we we said Mud, Mad Dog Bud, Buzz Sawyer. We uh, we didn't say Mad Dog Rashawn. Well, we didn't. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. So that that's a that's that's pretty weird for us. Uh, yeah. We barely know Sawyer. What the hell? Like, <laughs> uh, but as Jeff mentioned, Puppy Dog Pelican. He was sort of this. Uh, Do you know that guy tried to sell me Amway? <laughs> Pelican? Yeah. What? He's a Winnipegger. And yeah. I was working a job and uh, he said, hey, uh, you know, can I, uh, I want to meet with you. And sure <laughs> enough, he showed up. It was like, yeah, you can get, you know, you know what Amway is, right? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shampoos and different yeah, things. Yeah, and everything and... with no brand names. 
And uh, before, I before there was no name. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I was, you know, a single guy, didn't have a family, so he was yeah. he was barking up the wrong tree. That's right. But yeah. here's the funny thing: is like, yeah, I remember you, Puppy Dog Pelican. He goes, that's right, that's right, Mad Dog Pelican. And I was like, oh, sorry, <laughs> Mad Dog Pelican. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I think then the AWA they called him Puppy Dog, but yeah, I right. think he preferred he preferred to be called Mad Dog. I'm sure he did. <laughs> Yikes! So I uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you wimpy guy, Pelican. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he wouldn't be want to be called that as much. But he definitely was called that, so he can't be too. Uh, no, it's not. It's not our fault. I didn't buy his shampoo, and I yeah. <laughs> got his nickname the way he didn't, didn't like it. Okay, so I'm stretching this one a tiny bit, but I, it was on a list somebody else made, so I'm going to count it. Uh, Dingo Warrior, so like Ultimate Warrior's initial name, Dingo's kind of in the canine territory, right? So, uh, you know, we're it's stretching it. The Road Dog from like uh, DX, oh right, you know, just, just you know from the the famous family, the wrestling family. Uh, this one's. <laughs> So from uh, indie indie fame, not really, the Billington Bulldogs, I made reference to them like almost a year ago. They were like basically to- uh, Dynamite's nephews. They're like, they wrestle in the UK. The one guy's about 105 pounds, the other guy's about 125 pounds. And they, uh, they're they very fast and everything, but they, you know, and they're fit, but uh, <laughs> they're right. the tiniest wrestlers you've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> and I know there's a whole bunch of others. So if you've got a dog, did we miss a dog? What kind of dog did we miss? Let us know. I got to think somebody must have used Pitbull, like, you know, or something like that right like that must be a thing out there mm. come on so if uh if you can think of any other dog names used in wrestling uh please email us at legendary wrestling obsession at gmail.com so we talked a little bit about those bundy versus kamala the showdown and i knew they'd had a couple of matches so i only looked up up to the point we're at which is december and they had two matches in december so december 8th at the meadowlands in new jersey and then december 14th in milwaukee in both cases kamala pin bundy whoa yeah like usually about five six minutes with a splash oh my god i'm I'm shocked reading that like i thought for sure that's got to be a double disqualification a count out or yeah. whatever you know like i'm not sure why they would be putting for, to what purpose are we putting kamala over bundy because you know maybe they had bigger plans than what ended up happening but it doesn't seem like but i guess it's a house show not too many people see it so but that's interesting okay. did he get a five count I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe Bundy had the match one, but he didn't accept a three count, and, and that would at kick, least Kamala kicked a, out on four. <laughs> that would be uh, a little more face savvy for yeah. Bundy. Yeah, I, I don't think they ever pulled that shtick, and they really should have. They they totally they totally should have done that where he was like five, and then like, that would have been great. And then the ref was like, "Hey, you said five. Yeah, that's. I wish they had. Maybe they did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> someone fills it on that too. If it ever happened, I don't think it did though. Were you there? That's right. Because we were there when Jake wrestled Hogan. Oh, I was there. Yes. Legendary wrestling obsession was there when yeah. Jake wrestled Hogan. That's right. I only got to watch the the, the promos and uh, read it in the paper. You know, the next day. Okay, that gets us to the main event. Saturday night's main event. Let's hit those NBC chimes and get on the road. And so it is January. Happy New Year's, everybody. And we're not in sunny Florida, Miami. No, (laughs) we're in Connecticut. That's right. But we don't know that necessarily right now. (laughs) Before I actually... Did you see this promo um, of Hogan? It's six seconds, and it's like the week before. There is a advertisement that is getting people excited for the cage match between Hogan but Hogan he's he's standing on the cage 
Right. And he's looking down. And uh, basically, it's kind of like, next week, tune in to see this. And Hogan looks gross. He's, yeah, he's oiled up and his hair is dry. So it looks, I mean, at the end of the match with Warrior, he's slicker than, you know, a goose. Yeah. You know, and, but his hair is wet. He's soaked in sweat. And this one, it doesn't look natural because he's glistening, gleaming, but his hair's dry. Right. And he's like rattling the cage and he's, he's climbed to the top of it. And he's looking down. The camera's on the outside pointing yeah. up to Hogan. And he's climbed up so that he's looking from over top the cage pointing down, horned off. It also, he, I think he gets his name. It's Orndorff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Orndorff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your best friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Hogan is like snarling and rattling. There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Yeah, yeah. But if you take a look at this, it's 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 off putting. Like he's just too greasy looking. <laughs> you know? And I try and I, I realize it's because um well he's all, obviously he's oiled up for the to shine for the cameras, but they overdid it. <laughs> 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 I'm sure if he went to the ring like that, the other wrestlers would be like, Man, what are you doing? I can't I can't pick you up, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Or like I can't even hip toss you, nothing, you know. That's right. Way too it's, so it's, it's it's odd. But anyway, so this is that's before the main event even begins. That's right. <laughs> so uh, somebody overdid the grease on that little promo. But there is a cameraman zoom because it starts, you know, from way it zooms in so that they have enough space over his shoulder to put a little Saturday Night's Main Event logo in there. So right. there is a cameraman movement. But no Iron Sheik. I just thought of him. <laughs> and he does his whole... <laughs> Hogan does some really bad snarling in his movie, I think, where he plays a wrestler called Rip. You That's know? Right. Yeah, no holds barred. <laughs> yeah, and no holds old and he's just gotta be like always menacing and he's like yeah. snarl. He might like weird half words come out. So the star of the uh show is a set of silver curtains. They'll make many appearances tonight <laughs> in Saturday night's main event, a lovely uh, pair of drapes that are shiny, sparkly silver. And at the moment, they are... Uh, we open Saturday night's main event with that tense music that uh, Corey's actually put. Uh, he managed to find it, so I know that you used it once on our show, like yeah, yeah. just very driving, focused, like building the intensity. The first thing we see is, of course, Orndorff and Heenan. Bobby's wearing his Ready for Bumps outfit. He's always got a, some sparkly suit on yeah, yeah, primetime yeah. or the one where we, where we yeah, see yeah. him. You know, he and yeah. Monsoon are dressed up, dressed that's in right, the nines. That's right, yeah. But he's ready. Ring, he's more of a tracksuit guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's ready to. And this is how I remember him in the AWA. Oh, for sure. A black yeah. kind of tracksuit with a few sparkles. Yeah, and some kind uh, of, you know, initial insignia or something exactly. like that in the pocket. Yeah, yeah and some flair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, and he's in his classic Heenan outfit and Orndorff is in his ring gear. They're clasping his hands and just looking really ready for action. So if you had just watched the promo, basically Heenan's saying the thing, same thing. Hogan, you got nowhere to run. You got nowhere to go. Nowhere to hide. That's right. And Paul Orndorff is excited because this is his, you know, he's had a lot of shots, but tonight in the cage, he's going to get it done. And he says, Hulkamania dies tonight. I love it. <laughs> and the both of them do their maniacal heel laughter. <laughs> and then Hogan somehow, he's heard the message. He's like, oh yeah? Because he's like, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Now this is regular Hogan. He's not looking all, you know, greased up. Like it's a different right. shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's showered. It's a different day of the week. And this is a Hogan you can actually wrestle. 
And uh, he says, he actually does acknowledge that it's possible he could lose, but in in direct response, you know, Hulkamania will never die. That's right. That's what's truly immortal. Or rather, okay, live forever, he says. Same thing. We cut to Jimmy Hart. And now the silver drapes are closed <laughs> because the first time I think they had a, uh, they were open and Saturday night's main event logo. So there's right. many looks for the drapes. That's right. Jimmy Hart says, Ronnie Piper, remember this? And they show a clip <laughs> yeah. of the, the famous crutch to the elbow. That's right. Adrian Adonis looks like he might've just smoked a big reefer. His it, eyes are yeah, slit. I was wondering why he was doing that. Like it seemed like a choice. Yeah. Like, why aren't you opening your eyes? <laughs> Can't see what's going on. Anyway, he's like, I'm back, you know, tougher as nails and I'll take a licking and keep on ticking. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's not the best agent, Jimmy Hart. He's like, he's a million bucks, a million bucks. Then we go to Gene and George. And now the drapes are pulled back. We see a pair of pillars on either side. I wonder uh, if that's some of the Coliseum home video <laughs> set. Right. Anyway, we managed to get from George that he's got a surprise for that's Elizabeth. Right. The silver drapes open and Harley Race is there <laughs> with his crown. But his crown is at such an angle. It's not like up top of his head. It's, yeah, it's kind yeah. Of, you know, it doesn't fit properly. You can't really see it. It's, it's yeah, it's tilted back. Anyway, like at the like eleven o'clock or you know yeah. even ten o'clock, <laughs> and Bobby's not there with Harley, which is odd. I don't know why he didn't. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, s- you know, decide to partake in the maybe they thought too much Bobby. Never. And, yeah, and he says that uh, you know everyone's gonna bow for the king. You will all bow, and yeah. uh, and, and but he's got that directed yeah. at JYD. Yeah, who comes on, snarling and muttering and uh, saying he's not gonna bow for nobody. Except for God, apparently. That's right, yeah. Grammatically incorrect, but, you know, I don't yeah. think JYD's interested in reshoots. <laughs> Let's just get no. on with it. <laughs> and then somebody, bless their hearts, during JYD's final words, there's a audio quality shift. Things get a little fuzzy, but somebody plays my blessed original Saturday Night's Main Event theme song, Obsession, by local, what are they called? Anyway. Animotion. Animotion. So I got to watch the opening after the tense music. I didn't have to do any sneaky tricks. I got to see it the way I saw it when I was 15, or I think only 14. I loved it. I just love it. Oh, it's, it's the opening of our show, like that awesome yeah. song. So somebody edited it back to the way it was supposed to be. This is the, on the WWE Network? Of course not. Okay, there you go. I didn't find this. Did you find that? Did you just find like a three-minute reel of just the intros? That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. bless your heart, you YouTube pirate, whoever did that. Letting yes. me relive my memories and all the excitement. And I, it's yeah, just they so always much go better. and look to see if the actual cards online instead of the network because there's always stuff in it that's edited out of the network. So I would always look for that first, even if it was worse video quality. Yeah. So you can hear the audio shift, and then somebody plays the original song, and I just go crazy. Anyway, so we uh, see familiar clips. We get to see uh, Hogan in his white trunks. Actually, you know what's odd? I never noticed it before. Before, The first like four clips have all got an American flag in it. Okay, now yeah. that I dissect it, there's a yeah, subliminal. There's or, some of that Hogan-Nikolai match. That would always kind of be in there, like after the Piper-Hogan stuff. You know, yeah. So then you would get like well, indeed. So there'd be some of that match that flag match without saying anything they're getting it across so uh the first few images are hogan with the flag and then the first clobber punch he throws is nikolai yeah and also i think like he's pointing down at something bad in one of those clips too it's off camera because they're like using um a video 
overlay to yeah, only sh- or yeah. Well, I mean, well, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're only seeing part of the screen of what the original <laughs> footage was. Exactly. Like they're going to frame Adrian in a heart, and then they'll yeah, be yeah, black yeah. and red on the other sides, and yeah, yeah, you know, and that's that's how they. Uh, don't show you the entire TV screen. It's, it's right. a mix of uh, video graphics, of a graphic overlay, and then a piece. So Hogan gets a diamond, you know. I And this one, I noticed that Adrian gets a heart. Um, they could have given Macho Man the star, idiots, that, you know, yeah, like yeah, somebody yeah, else yeah, gets yeah. that. Macho Man gets a zoomed-in star. Like, just a, looks more like a paper airplane <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Um, but anyway, so yeah, you see flags, Hogan scrapping with Orndorff. You see Orndorff, I want Piper. Um, you don't see Piper and Orndorff fighting. Yeah, that's, that's right. changed. Yeah, yeah, they gotta get away yeah. from that. You do see, of course, I'm crazy, Piper, <laughs> you know, with the craziness coming out his ears. Yeah. And then we see Adrian. We see Macho Man dropping a beautiful double axe handle on the Jake. You can only just tell it's Jake if you're a nerd like me and you're yeah, like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You recognize the match. <laughs> yeah, I recognize Macho Man's colored tights. Yeah. And it's from, you know, the last, my favorite match of all time. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. put that into the opening, uh, which I love. <laughs> we get some JYD doing his boogie woogie. I really tried to read his shirt and I paused it a bunch of times and then I just kind of <laughs> lost interest. But like there's JYD wearing a sweatshirt, homemade job of, okay. on it is JYD, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. younger and slimmer and stronger, shaking yeah. hands with some guy. And I think that there's a, a town hall or a, a place in Georgia, maybe named or a stadium or a right. civic center where maybe there was a show or I don't know what. Anyway. And then him him doing his whole knocking his knees, dancing on the apron while, you know, leaning back, holding on to that top rope. Yeah. They show us clips of Harley Race and his coronation while the music's playing. So you see all the wrestlers who are paying homage to King Harley Race. King, King Harley Race <laughs> at gunpoint, of course. And we see some clips of Blackjack Mulligan. And his, he's always wearing bunkhouse gear <laughs> with yeah, his, yeah, his yeah. red PJs, you know, and his jeans. And he's twirling, twirling around a cowbell. And then Jimmy Jack is doing his taunting. It made me just wish that we had, instead of Jimmy Jack, got to see Terry Funk versus Blackjack Mulligan. Yeah, it would no. have to be a different match, that's for sure. And it would have been uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. The Jimmy Jack. I'm surprised even his face even made it into the reel, honestly. Like, you know, like they, yeah. they often left out the, the squash of the squash match. <laughs> right. And that's when... We get a look at the crowd, and McMahon tells us that uh, it's Hartford, Connecticut, the insurance capital of the world. That's right. And I gather that whaling was once an industry, um, because there's a lot of water around there, but there used to be an NHL team called the Whalers. So maybe they were uh, in a whaling ships once upon a time, operating out of Hartford, Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah. So, as they often do, this show's going to get off to a hot start, because they're coming right out of the gate with a world title defense in a steel cage. So I, I mentioned in the previous show there was some, you know, there was dark matches. There was like US Express versus Heart Foundation was one of the one of those matches. There's some other matches and stuff like that. But at some point, obviously, before the broadcast they start before they start recording for the this broadcast, they put the cage up. So when you come in, it's kind of neat because the cage is already up. And you can actually see people like in the ring, like sweeping and like they got the big brooms, you know, they're sweeping out like the garbage or something like that. And just before we really jump into it, I just want to kind of talk about cage matches for a second because I would think back to this and think that I know I'd seen several cage matches through Coliseum Video between 1984 to the end of 1986. Uh, we saw several clips of cage matches on AWA TV, like, you know, both the, you know, interviews hyping them up and then the actual, like, footage, a one, two, three-minute clip of an actual cage match from some arena, you know, Minneapolis, wherever. 
And so that was all my experience with cage matches. This was like, to me, I don't know about you, but for me, this felt like the first time I was like, again, not as a kid understanding that it wasn't live. This was like, this is the first time I got to see a cage match live, you know, like that I didn't already have an idea of what the result was or, you know, like WrestleMania 2, before I could ever watch it, I already knew Hogan won. Right, like because uh-huh. you know, I wasn't okay. I wasn't there watching it in an arena. I had to, right I had to extra wait. anticipation. Yeah, so this was neat because it was like actually seeing it beginning to end, not just not just a highlight, and and not already maybe knowing the outcome. Because often when I'd watch a Coliseum video, my knowledge of what happens in wrestling would sometimes give away the results of some of these older. You know, if I'm watching something from '83, '84, '82. I might, for some, there might be something else that I know. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. He can't win because exiting, you know, whatever reason, right? So this was neat. This, to me, felt like the first time that I got to, like, actually see a cage match. And I've always been kind of curious and interested in the idea of, like, when was the first cage match and who was the first cage match? Right. And, of course, this is, there's more than one kind of cage match. Yeah, and this is this is the whole new era of, like, the big blue steel cage that came up at WrestleMania two and they used for several years. And this, of course, is a famous version of that match. With that style of cage, that wasn't an escape match, was it? I, I, oh yeah, WrestleMania two, yeah, well, for it sure. An escape match, which because yeah. they didn't think either Hogan or Bundy could climb over it. So like, how do they? If they're gonna have them both climb up there and fight, you know, up near the top rope, and they're on that, they're on the NWA AWA fence cage, like it could, it might just collapse. Yeah. Right, <laughs> of course. And they can't get their foot like Bundy Hogan can't get their feet in those little notches, you know. Like they these these have big squares, you know, handles yeah. basically, right? Like yeah. supported handles that they can like climb like a ladder. Um, so that's what that is. I did hear a bit about some stuff about the original cage match. I think one of the very first versions, it, you know, the idea of a cage match trap them in. Well, the very first cage match apparently was more of a keep the crap out because they were having so much trouble with people throwing stuff at the ring <laughs> that they put up like, cause there was too much heat on the bad guy, whoever it was. I'm, I'm not even going to try and pretend I remember who the story was about or what decade it was in. It was a long time ago, but they basically put up the equivalent of like chicken fence. Like, so nothing that could be climbed on. It was literally there to like prevent bottles and cups and stuff like that from like getting into the ring by doing that, that created the idea, the impression of, Oh, those guys are trapped in there. And then it evolved into like, you know, starting to become an actual fence ah, that you could hurt somebody with, okay. the, the, the weapon, right? So Yeah, Pete, Pete Doherty, the Duke of Dorchester, uh, talked about a kind of a green mosquito net that was draped over the ring because yeah. of that, you know, yeah. to protect the wrestlers from things getting thrown at them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, before we can have a match, though, we got to have some interviews. So basically, it's pretty funny. Jesse predicts a new champ. So like right out of the gate, Jesse's calling it. He's calling it. There's going to be a new champ. (laughs) He doesn't want to hear anything else. McMahon lets us know that this is the first time on network television that there's a cage match, which I might not be correct, but I think it is. Did some other shows put a cage match on their television show? Maybe. Were those shows on network television? No. <laughs> so, you know, like, so I think McMahon's right about this. So that's pretty neat to, to think that that, you know, it's the first time on television in this way. And so they start talking about how Bobby's already taken out expensive insurance on the championship belt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. And they go to them. They're with Mean Gene. And it's neat. Paul Orndorff is so angry, he refuses to do an interview. So he's just kind of pacing back and forth, getting all angry and making noise in the background. And it's Gene and uh, and Heenan are doing the interview. And Gene follows up asking him if he's taken out that insurance. And he, he of course, confirms that. And, uh, you know, it's very short. They just, you know, they're going to win the belt. Hogan can't get away. He can't run. Just kind of more reiteration of what we already heard in the reel. And so they come to the ring, of course, stealing Hogan's music. Love it. Yeah, that's right. 
the real real American Paul Orndorff comes out, and we and it's neat. I guess neat's not the right word. I noted when he came out, no robe. It's one of the very few times I've ever seen him come to a match without a robe on. I guess it was, uh, you know, he for, lost his ticket for the dry cleaner. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Give Bobby a tongue lashing for that. The other thing is, is that he's got these large uh, black elbow pads on, and it's just a different look, right? Like, it, it looks a lot different. Some people would speculate that the elbow pad thing started maybe happening because uh, the, you know, the Moore's arm diminished. He was almost like trying to hide it a bit. Like maybe the el- the elbow pad could help to kind of hide. Right. And but but you have one on each arm just to keep it balanced or whatever. Right. So, and it's kind of neat. So Orndorff comes up and he's walking up the steps and as he's going to go into the the cage, he gets to Joy Morella, the ref. He gives him a shove. He gives Joy Morella a shove before the match even starts. He gives him a push. Gosh, come on. <laughs> What's going you're on here? Get to, uh, g- you're gonna have a gorilla outburst. <laughs> That's right. And Danny Davis is there. So there's two refs and they're arguing. Morella and Danny Davis are arguing. And Jesse, of course, right away is, you know, cl- proclaiming that Danny Davis is the senior official and should be the one refer- refereeing this match. And McMahon, of course, is saying that he's not he's not supposed to be there. And it's a little bit of back and forth. It's pretty neat. So you can see Orndorff's testing the cage and all that stuff. And then we go to the back because Gene's got to talk to Hulk. He's got to have his own his own interview. Orndorff testing his way to the steel cage right now. Mean Gene is back with the World Wrestling Federation champion. Hulk Hogan, World Heavyweight Champ. It has been a long and winding road, as the Beatle put it so aptly in song, that leads you to this steel cage match. Your comments. Well, Mean Gene, it has been a long road, brother. But I can promise you, it all stops here, man. All those Hulkamaniacs, they're ready for a new start in a new year. And this steel cage is a dead end for Mr. Wonderful. All right, as we head into 1987, Hulk, last year you established yourself as the finest practitioner ever in steel cage competition. Why didn't you settle this feud with Orndorff earlier? Mean Gene, the steel cage is the most brutal arena of human competition. It is the last resort, man, as Mr. Wonderful's about to find out. I thank you very much, Hulk Hogan, heavyweight champion of the world. I've got to believe we're part of history in the making. Back to you, Vince. So Hogan enters, the music starts again, Real American flares back up, and it's kind of neat. There's a wide shot on the ring, and there's like, you can see a lot of the crowd in front of the camera leading up to the, the, the cage. And someone really close underneath the camera just holds their hand up. They hold up an LJN and it's like silhouetted. So you see like a perfect, I'm pretty sure it's a Hogan doll. And it's just like an LJN silhouette, you know, pops up into the screen, like in the forefront. Is it a female? No, I know what you're talking about. No, this is somebody who, this is somebody who'd be sitting up in the, the nosebleed. You're talking about like a front rower. The big hug. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so Hogan comes out and he's testing the cage, which is something that everyone always does, right? Everyone always wants to like give it a little push. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make sure it's actually not just going to fall apart. Kick the tires. That's right. And it's neat because Orndorff comes over and kicks the cage yeah. right where Hogan's hand is. So he's, Hogan's trying to find a different way to get into the ring. And eventually he scales to the top of the cage and he's up, perched up on top. One leg over on each side, and he tears off Hogan's shirt with the roar of the crowd. They're all super excited, and Hogan scales back down into the corner, and it's pretty funny. Jesse's mocking him for, oh, what a short strength for ripping a t-shirt. <laughs> like, right. Well, you, um, you, you, it, Hogan ripped off his own shirt. For a second there, you see he ripped off Hogan's shirt. and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hogan's yeah. up at the top of the cage by himself, ripping off his own shirt, as he always does at the beginning of his matches, or unless he gets <laughs> clobbered before he can, but... So Hogan drops into the ring, and much like the big event, Orndorff does not want to wait. So he just charges in with his like awesome running knee 
to like the gut dropping Hogan. And it's great because Hogan's still got his belt on. <laughs> his belt hasn't been taken off yet. So Orange is just laying in the boots and the kicks. And, and Hogan's rolling around, crawling around on the ground. And Orndorff strips off that belt. And he starts whipping him with it. <laughs> you know what I haven't ever, ever really seen? Which, you know, I mean, if, if, the way you describe it, I'm like, but if he kicked him in the gut and he's yeah, wearing he the belt. Yeah, he kicked him in the gut. He, he, almost, he, he almost should have had like a little bit of a need. I do think I there has been, uh, of course, there was a there was a stupid Bret Hart thing where he had like a, he had the Clint Eastwood, the metal plate underneath yeah. the poncho. Yeah, yeah. And, and Goldberg speared him and hurt himself. Just, just thinking about yeah, the yeah. spaghetti there westerns. There was one... There was, and I can't remember what it was, there was a match where somebody did exactly what you're talking about. They did like a knee to the gut on a guy who had a belt on, and they hurt they hurt their knee. Okay. Yeah. So somebody, I, have, I'm just... I have seen that. I think Orndorff just maybe hit him a little bit lower than he meant to, you know, like, right. <laughs> so that there was no reason to sell his own injury. Yeah. Because it's like armor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Orndorff chucks that belt away and lays into several boots and stomps to the Chump champion, as they always like to call him, or Jesse uh, likes to call him. Jesse's so funny tonight. Yeah. So Orndorff right away attempts to win quick by leaving the cage through the door, which is like one of two asinine ways to win this match. You know, you can't pin a guy. We can't have a submission. We got to escape the cage. We got to get away. That's how we win. Flee. Got to flee. Hogan does manage to grab Orndorff's foot and leg to prevent the escape. So Orndorff, who's kind of half in, half out, returns his attention to punishing Hogan with plenty of kicks and a few elbow drops. Of course, of the pointy variety, he's got to shine him up and get him real nice mm-hmm. and sharp for Hogan. Ice pick elbows. Yep. Paul again attempts to go back to the door. Same result. You know, Hogan's down there licking his boots and <laughs> hanging on, trying to stop him from... Licking his boots? <laughs> well, I mean, he's, you know, his face is in his heel, right? It's like, it looks like his, his face looks like it's resting right up against his boot. As he's Please, Mr. On. Wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> I'll get you a coffee. <laughs> yes, Mr. Wonderful. What would you like, Mr. Wonderful? Yeah, yeah. Can I fly the plane now, Mr. Wonderful? Is it okay if I take off? Oh, man. I just... <laughs> So again, Orndorff has to return back into the ring. He's half in, half out. Rakes Hogan's eyes. A couple more boots. And then essentially, Hogan's up on his knees, but kind of out on his knees. And Orndorff falls down towards him and clotheslines him, like, as Hogan's on his knees. It's kind of a neat look, you know? He drops him down to the mat by clotheslining him when he's already, like, he's miniature Hogan. He's mini Hogan. (laughs) Paul drives the elbow again as McMahon confirms that the only one official that was assigned to this match was Joey Morella. Did you say Powell drive? No, no. He drove his elbow down. Paul drove his... Okay. It sounded to me like Paul Drivers. And That's I was right. like, what? No. Paul Driver? <laughs> I don't remember Paul Driver. <laughs> it's coming out early. <laughs> oh, you said Paul Drives. Paul, right. Paul Drives. Well, when you're talking about Paul Orndorff, you the know... The Paul Driver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Paul Drives. Is a, what about Paul Driver? <laughs> <laughs> Best Paul Driver? Best Paul Driver? Oh, yeah. We've talked about that. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah because he's the jumping pile Driver, yeah. you know, like... Jerry, the King Lawler, does a good pile driver, but Paul Orndorff did his beautiful jumping pile driver, and it was just so amazing. And then it got so watered down, like people, you know, survive pile drivers. Yeah, yeah, like it, one of those moves, like the DDT, that lost its power. Yeah, the odd thing about the pile driver, though, in in the WWF, is that it got banned for many, many, many years. They literally weren't doing them. Mm. Well, so it was this, and then yeah. they started doing. They, I guess they, whatever happened, they started figuring out a way to do them slightly differently and they started doing them again but like you said to to what effect <laughs> to 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 transition hold right yeah well keeping in the realm of fantasy unfortunately you know uh, uh, however what i don't mind is like that only jake had the ddt down that's right. he knew how to yeah, do it yeah, exactly. he was the best ddt yeah, and the like, reason these guys can kick out of the ddt today is because they don't know how to do it properly that's right <laughs> and that i'll take and you know, so that's the only reasonable way to save my beautiful pile drivers that's right <laughs> my lovely ddt 
So Paul, he tries a new tactic. He starts scaling the cage in the corner, and he gets quite far along, and he gets both feet over the cage, and he kind of has to slow himself down because Hogan's taking a little too long to get over there. Oh, God. You know, think of all those botches in the tag team match. Yeah, exactly. Bad timing. <laughs> this is on national television. That's Don't right. fuck this up. I mean, you know, McMahon's been known to start shit over again. Could you imagine if he was like, dude, again? Yeah, 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 And like yeah, all those yeah. fans were like, we saw this match twice, you know, That's but right. on TV it only happens once. Exactly, yeah. But that's I've absolutely heard that where he's told you might that, have to do it. Yeah, yeah I think Savage and Bad News Brown yeah, had to go wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, can you imagine? It'd be humiliating. Yeah. And I think there's probably hundreds of examples. I I was at a TV taping and I saw something like four times, and I'm like, well, what what did they not get the first time that they wanted to get this time? Like, what what's going on? So it's kind of you know you have to suspend disbelief because it's so obvious at this point that Orndorf could just if Orndorf just lets go of the cage, he's he's won. Like the only thing stopping him from winning is him. <laughs> That's right. He could be in a wheelchair with his championship. Goal, yeah, exactly you know, dropping from 50 feet and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. The champ. I'm the champ <laughs> so hogan does scale up and get over and he gets a good two hands of hair poor poor mr wonderful's hair and starts pulling him back up to the top and he's choking him with the top of the cage so by this i mean he's it's like kind of like the way you choke someone over the top rope you pull down on their, their head so that their neck is being you know squished on the rope that's what hogan's doing on the cage and orndorff's like really selling it he's kicking his feet he looks like he's really like in in danger so Hogan starts to kind of guide him back in head first. So now Orndorff's upside down, <laughs> like, you know, with his with his waist hanging over the top. And Hogan's is blasting him. And he starts to, like, ram his face into the cage. There's a couple, there's two or three of them. It's really, like, looks really deadly. And the camera works great. That's right there. And he's upside down getting swung into this cage. And so basically, <laughs> Orndorff is kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like uh, somebody's hypnotizing you, but dangling <laughs> Paul Orndorff by his feet. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're getting right. sleepy. <laughs> So he's, he's guides him back in and he basically comes down feet first, but he's between the rope and the cage. So he's really like vulnerable here. And Hogan rams his face in the cage. Oh, it's taking a beating here really quickly. It goes from like Orndorff had everything and now Hogan's got it all. So Orndorff stuck, like I said, between the ropes and the, and the cage. It's time for Hogan to apply a classic scientific maneuver. Punches to the face. Yes. <laughs> Just more, more. <laughs> So Hogan uses his bandana, he brings him in and he starts choking Paul from behind. And this leaves Paul like just on his knees, but in a, like a weeble wobble position to get blasted with a few stiff right hands. And then with Paul down, Hogan runs to the corner to climb the cage. Orndorff though is much quicker to recover and not leave Hogan hanging as far as like, you know, why are you climbing so slow? <laughs> so Hogan goes up pretty quick. Orndorff staggers over, gets up there, and he managed to get Hogan turned around in a seated position on the top rope, and he lands a body blow to kind of prevent Hogan from climbing out of the cage. He pulls Hogan back down, and as soon as Hogan's feet touch the ground, there's a big uppercut right onto the canvas. Orndorff is really selling his own damage, though. He's bringing the, you know, the grit of the cage into our living room, because it's not like he just, as soon as he gets a punch in, now he's 100% healthy. He's... He still has to show all the damage that he's taken, so between every move he does to Hogan, he's got to take, like, a rest to, like, show that he's Really taking a beating. We need on-screen health bars. That's right. So the camera picks up Bobby looking looking on as Orndorff's using his shin for several, several strikes. You know, the ropes are providing extra balance and leverage, so Orndorff's is bouncing up and down on them to increase that damage, driving those shins down. Greg Gagne would be proud. So after driving his knee into Hogan's throat, Paul begins to slowly crawl for the door. And Bobby and Danny Davis assist with opening that door as quickly as possible. So the door's open well before Orndorff's anywhere near it, waiting for him to crawl out. But Hogan has, you know, a tiger by the tail, or at least by the foot. <laughs> Maybe the toe. Maybe the toe. 
And so he starts to like climb over Orndorff. He's he's, he's gaining on him. <laughs> so now it's like Orndorff's in the you know Hogan's in the lead. <laughs> so so Orndorff decides to you know bail on trying to escape and decides to attack Hogan and basically you know gets in some punches, some elbows, gets back to his those pointy elbows, but he misses. He drops one. Hogan rolls out of the way. Gets up, drops another one. Hogan pops up to his feet. So it's like a mini Hulk up. No, no, no shaking, no quaking, just straight to, <laughs> straight to hoof face. <laughs> and Hogan beats Orndorff back to his feet. For the first time, Orndorff looks unsure and is backing off. So, so far he's been super aggressive, but at this point in the match, he's actually showing a bit of that Weasley heel tactic of like, oh no, please, please. So he turns to escape the cage and he scrambles up the corner. Hogan yanks him down and hauls him off with three right hands. That have Orndorff dancing a little jig. Orndorff's really good at selling you know, when he's hurt and stuff like that. Hogan bounced off the ropes to land a fourth power shot to the side of the head. And Orndorff's bump off of this is like he just takes this crazy face plant. He just like just dives straight to the ground, like face first. It looks like he's really out of it. Hogan heads for the door, but Heenan and Davis have prevented Marilla from opening the door quickly. <laughs> so the door's not Uh-oh. open. So Hogan's over there like shaking on the cage and Marilla's trying to get in there. It's pretty funny. <laughs> the door is finally open, but Mr. Wonderful is recovered enough to grab Hogan. So Hulk turns back in as Jesse blames Morella for the issue with the door. <laughs> right. Vince McMahon is really mad at Danny Davis, of course. Yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> so Paul gets a Paul gets, he gets in like a gut shot before Hogan continues offense. And there's a headbutt from his knees into Hogan's midsection. It looks like a bit of a low blow from the camera angle. Looks like the wonder if just headbutted him in the balls. Ouch. But hey, it's a gauge match. Anything goes. Orndorff has just enough in the tank for like a kick. And he's draped over the top rope because he realizes, you know, he's just out of, he's like, he's ready to fall down himself. But he's, he realizes that the ropes are holding him up and he's in control because Hogan's down. So he drops the pointy elbow and then he shows Hogan what that JYD feud would look like. And he does the crawling scuttle headbutt. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Both of these men have regular heads. There's That's no, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no passports so involved. He slams Hogan face first to the canvas and grabbing what's left of Hogan's hair, he tries to ram him face first to the cage wall. But that big yellow boot comes up and blocks it. And then Hogan rears Orndorff back to ram him into the cage. But they both simultaneously ram each other into the cage. Both men take face bumps into the cage. And these huge bounces out to the middle of the ring. And it's just perfectly timed. It's really well done. And they're like, you know, they're both down and out. And like, who's going to get up first? And it sets up this really neat spot. From the middle of the ring, they crawl to the opposite sides of the cage. So Hogan's crawling at the camera. Orndorff's crawling away from the camera. And they both slowly, in the middle of the ring, not in the corner, but in the middle of the ring, slowly start to scale the ropes and using the cage for, like, support and start to crawl over. And so as they get near the top, Jesse's calling, Orndorff's going to be the champion! He's going to be the champion! And McMahon's like, Hogan, go! Go! So they're both they're both cheering for their guys, like, just blatant, biased announcers, both guys, and both calling each other biased. It's, it's beautiful. So Hogan has an initial lead, but Mr. Wonderful makes up that time. Both men scale down the outside of the cage to around ring level, and they do this beautifully timed drop where they both hit the mat seemingly perfectly. Like, you can't tell. And, I, and it, the camera works great because... Even when they show you the replays, you can't tell. Like, that's the best part of it, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> they were on the spot with the editing. They got it perfectly timed. A botch here would have been terrible. Yeah, exactly. So they both drop out, and McMahon screams for Hogan to drop down just as he does. And Jesse's shouting for Wonderful. And at the same time, 
Morella signals Hogan as the winner, and Danny Davis is raising Orndorff's arm with Heenan celebrating. So both Jesse McMahon are supporting their guys in this and claiming that each of them is the victor. And Real American starts playing. So like the match is over, you know, like the, the music's playing, but because but both who? guys exactly because both guys came out to that music, who's the winner? <laughs> that doesn't tell you anything. That's right. So Hogan spots through the cage the other side that he, the heels are claiming victory. He sees the little victory party uh-huh. over there. Oh, and no. he stops and he points. Ooh, uh, what, what, what's that? Brother, what's that? Oh, brother. And he, yeah. he gets Morella's attention and he points over. So Morella heads around to the other side to clarify, and we just get another one of these like double ref, like WWF masterpiece moments here. So Danny Davis just goes like full heel and gives this huge shove to Joey Morella and just nails him to the ground. And then that's when Hogan shows up on the scene and Davis is like, oh no, no. <laughs> and so Keenan and, and Orndorff split, like they're like, they run away. And Hogan's just huffing and puffing, and he's just ready to break Danny Davis in half. Oh, I'm going to, and he's showing him. But Orndorff sneaks all the way around the cage and comes up from behind Hogan and runs up and does a diving knee into his back, and that clobbers Hogan into Davis. So Davis takes a big bump and gets squashed by Hogan. So it's pretty awesome. Orndorff rams Hogan face first in the outside of the cage and declares himself the champ. He's got his hand up. So Morella keeps coming over and putting his arm down like, no, you're not the champ. You, you didn't win. You didn't win. So finally, the Fink appears on the scene. You know, he's, he's there. We can see him in the camera. And he takes instructions from the ref. So the match is ordered to continue. And Aha. The crowd is exci- so, so excited that this match is going to continue and not be a draw. They go to commercial break. And when we come back, Orndorff's leading Hogan by his head back to the cage entrance. And we can see Finkel, he's, he's falling. He's backpedaling, trying to get out of their way, but he falls down. He takes a big spill on his ass. Pretty funny. Oops. So Orndorff, he's a man that can multitask. He's over by the cage door. He's got Hogan in a headlock and he's laying in punches, but he's also working on the, like, the lock. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's like punch, punch, do my taxes, punch, punch, make a sandwich. <laughs> multitasking. That's right. So he launches Hogan back in under the ropes once he gets it open and Hogan's crawling into the ring. And Mr. Orndorff comes in, but he wants to go for a grander entrance. So he goes straight to the top rope from the outside. And at this point, McMahon's like, well, what? Why doesn't he just, why doesn't he just leave now? Because Hogan's down and out in the middle of the ring and Orndorff's up on the top rope already. Like, why doesn't he just turn around and leave? And that's where Jesse corrects him and says he hasn't reestablished himself. He, Mr. Mr. Wonderful hasn't touched the mat yet. He has to be in the ring before ah, he can leave the ring. Right. Being on the top rope doesn't count. So there's Jesse at least showing a little bit of uh, <laughs> sure. knowing the rules. So he does come off with a pretty lame-looking forearm smash, to be honest. It wasn't Mr. Wonderful. Usually when he goes to the top rope, it's that it's that standing you know elbow to the top of the head. But because Hogan's laying on the ground, he's got to do something else. Ends up being a pretty, pretty weak-looking looking forearm, but he's on top. And sometime during this, there's something in the ring. There's some sort of object that Heenan must have thrown in. There's It looks like a doorstop or something like that, like one of those, like, you know, Abdul the Butcher little... Uh, wood wedges or whatever and Orndorff picks it up and he starts scraping it across Hogan's head I was totally expecting Hogan to blade here because they really went to work on it but uh but we do know we do not get any Hogan blood his uh his forehead is strong <laughs> if that was Dusty Rhodes there'd be blood everywhere right <laughs> we see that there's Davis is being helped to the back by two officials and at that point Orndorff goes back to running elbow drops followed by a devastating knee drop and then a thumb type attack to the throat and McMahon explains McMahon explains what Davis did wrong, but Jesse is sick of your bias commentating. <laughs> you know, McMahon. <laughs> it's great stuff. Yep. Orndorff nails the short arm clothesline, and he paces around the ring. So you think the pile driver, the Paul driver, trademark over here, <laughs> is coming. But instead, a fist is dropped. And there's a moment where Orndorff partially covers Hogan, not really, but he's on top of him. 
And there's no pinfalls in this match, this cage match, but yet. But uh, there's a kickout in a Hulk up. <laughs> so, like, Orndorff by accidentally putting his chest over top of Hogan's, you know, that was the power-up Hogan needed. <laughs> no, no. The can of spinach was open and dropped in Popeye's mouth. Right. Yeah, well, I was all those, remember Darth Vader had all those switches and buttons on his yeah, chest yeah, panel? Yeah, yeah. I always wondered, like, you know, what happens if you start, like, pushing on those buttons? <laughs> like, one of them makes them stronger and tougher. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> So Paul's kicks and punches mean nothing as Hogan finally stands tall against an onslaught of blows, kicks and punches and elbows and and the head shaking leads to a block and three right hands followed by a knife edge chop that mainly misses the mark to be honest. The follow-up chop though sounds nasty. You just, you hear it like smack. And then a third chop has Orndorff looking like George Animal Steel in the turnbuckles. He's just like face first in the turnbuckle, just like his mouth is open. He looks like he's going to have his little lunch. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. George taught him how to eat it. It's Hogan who likes to steal other people's shtick. That's right. Not Ho- not Orndorff. And it's time as Hogan points to the delight of the fans where he will be depositing Orndorff's face into the steel. So he dra- he brings him like face first, smash into the cage. And one more time, that leaves Paul just completely dead on his feet near the cage. Hogan kicks the bars near a screaming Bobby Heenan. Heenan's trying to like, you know, shake in the cage. So Hogan gives a little kick where his hand was just for good measure. A ruthless Hogan smashes Paul's face into the cage again. Orndorff looks like the drunkest guy at the bar, like completely asleep on his feet while Hogan's just landing punches. It's hard to believe, but Orndorff eats this deal again. Like, I think that's like five, four or five in a row of these, like, running across the cage, launching him face first into the into the cage. Just devastating. Heenan tries to hand Orndorff a weapon, but Hogan kicks the cage again to back Bobby off. And Hogan lifts Orndorff for the slam, but totally swerves as I, I don't think I can't remember him doing this very much, but he does this backbreaker and it looks pretty rough to be on i gotta be honest it doesn't look like he put orndorff down very well like i'm pretty sure orndorff probably you know when they got to the back was probably like dude you know like the fuck you doing to my ribs like right he's off the ropes with a big leg drop and hogan celebrates and we we see at this point there's blood on the forehead of mr wonderful number one this match is ready to be neatly wrapped up but wait heenan gives morella a back elbow <laughs> knocks oh. out the ref he charges in the ring first to check on paul and then to stop hogan who's up in the corner climbing so Hogan's scaling that corner when our favorite weasel grabs his boot. And Orndorff at this point is up and sleepwalking up the cage. He's trying to very slowly try to climb the cage. He can barely stand, but he's going to climb the cage. So Hogan kicks off Bobby, and he stalks Orndorff down and pulls him down with one hand. And then two punches and an atomic drop for Orndorff. Heenan perfectly times it to get back on his feet just at that moment, just in time to be whipped into the steel cage wall. And as expected... Mr. Heenan flies into the cage with an insane rebound bump. Like he hits the cage and like he's back on the other side of the ring. Like it's just, he's, it's like you, it's like a a video game where there's like a rubber wall or something like that, but it's no, it's steel cage. So Hogan climbs the corner turnbuckle and escapes the cage out to the floor for the official win with Morella raising his hand. Orndorff was making his way to the door and slides out of the door after losing. So he comes out head first onto the ground. So he's kind of eliminated now. Hogan's music's playing, and he re-enters the cage to sneak up on a dazed Heenan. So Bobby slowly turns around to take a blindside right hand that makes him do a big backwards flip bump. And Hogan lifts him and delivers the atomic drop to shoot Heenan out of the ring, who ricochets off the ropes and the pads, and Orndorff happens to be there to take, like, a mini bump just for being in the vicinity. (laughs) Like, you know, just, uh, I'm anywhere near you, so I'll go down too. Splash damage. That's right. (laughs) They go to the split screen now of the replay as McMahon and Jesse are arguing about things because Jesse's like just sick to his stomach because Wonder 41, you know, he's like, he just keeps trying to make his point. 
So they have the split screen replay of the two men escaping the cage at the same time. And Jesse's using this, the freeze frame where Hogan's knees are bent. And he's using that as proof and evidence that Hogan landed second. <laughs> what a controversy. Yep. So we get the posing. And there's this funny bit as he's leaving the, he's leaving the cage. And Hogan's pointing in the crowd. And he mouths the words, I love you to the crowd. And Jesse's and McMahon are over in that direction. And Jesse says to McMahon, did you see that? Hogan just pointed at me and he said, I love you. <laughs> As if he said it to him. He just said he loves me. <laughs> and there's, as Jeff referenced, there's this girl when Hogan gets out of the cage. She's in the front row and she's not a little kid. She's probably like, I, I guess as young as 17 or 16 or something, but she could have been 22. I don't know. Like, Yeah, she definitely looks, yeah. More like of an adult. An adult. Like, yeah. yeah. And she's got Hogan's LJN doll and she's just like going up and down, dot, jumping up and down. And, I, you know, didn't quite get to see what she, there's a huge hug, it seems. She's got her, she's got her hands on him. <laughs> oh yeah, she hooked him in. She got her hand right around his neck and like, yeah, yeah. you know, Got then they, then the crook of her elbow around his neck and like, yeah. but Hogan was you know he had a big smile on his face. He, yeah, yeah, she he was, was so excited to get her exactly, you know, yeah, to bring Hogan in for a <laughs> huge sweaty hug and she was yeah waving her LGN doll and she was having the time of her life. It was yeah. a nice moment. This in many ways does kind of there's other things that are going to happen, but as far as like from a big focus point, this kind of wraps up the Hogan Orndorff. This is the blow off. You know, which is what a cage match is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the finality of it all. Um, it's not to say that they won't have other encounters, that they don't wrestle again, um, that it's not there isn't other things down the road for them. But as far as this big storyline going back to the summer of '86 till now, you know, wrapped up in like the big event, October Saturday's main event, January '87 main event. There you go. And it was uh, quite a ride. A really awesome storyline. Corey went out on a limb. And said he thought it was Hogan's best feud, and I don't dispute that. Yeah, I I, I get why a Savage or somebody else could be considered better. Um, you know, most important match you're gonna say is you know Hogan Andre WrestleMania three. I won't dispute that. You know, but that there's a difference between best and most important. There's distinctions here, right? So so that that brings us through that match. McMahon lists off the upcoming matches, and we get an inset of uh, a certain George the Animal Steel as we head to commercial. Agree, McMahon. Mr. Wonderful won the first time when Danny Davis, the senior official, declared him the winner. What's Hogan saying? He loves me. I don't think that was directed. He, in was, your... he was pointing right at me. Yeah, I'm sure he'd like to point at you, all right. Look at these fans. They go nuts for this extraordinary athlete. World Wrestling Federation champion, Hulk Hogan, victorious here in Hartford, Connecticut, in the ultimate matchup, the Steel Cage matchup. I yet to come. I told you before, McMahon, it's better to be lucky than to be good, and this man is lucky. I can't say in my memory that Macho Man versus George the Animal Steel are my favorite wrestling experiences um you know uh, and so here we go with some more <laughs> george <laughs> versus well, randy i would say Savage. that very first one redeemed itself we were much more entertained the first time yeah uh, at the time i wasn't having a great time now i look for different things i guess i don't know but anyway it starts off with mean gene reviewing what happened a year ago where there's a clip they they show a clip of george basically pawing Elizabeth. We don't get to hear Jesse's disgust. Look at that. He's pawing at her. Puts his forehead on her arm. And then the next clip is George giving flowers to Liz. But then we get this awesome clip of 
Randy Savage paint brushing George Steele with the bouquet of flowers <laughs> while George's arms are all tangled up. So that's fucking awesome. Slap left, right, left, right, left, right. And then uh, week on camera, we have Gene, who Macho Man enters in a green sparkly robe and Liz is wearing a nice little red dress. And of course, you know, Gene always wants to talk to Liz. Never interested in Randy. Yeah, that's right. He's a little bit, let me, you know, and that annoys Randy, of course. And he says, you know, George Animal Steel has a surprise for you. Elizabeth begins to reply, but then she doesn't get more than, I think, five words out before Savage says, You move in the shut up, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, yeah, It's awesome. I think that Randy's got such an acute knowledge. He's like, Nobody cares about you. And that's like so wrong. Everybody loves yeah, Elizabeth yeah, right. and hates yeah, him. Yeah. And that's why they yeah. hate him because they love her. <laughs> Nobody cares about you. And Gene says, well, George Animal Steel does. And I think Macho Man, this is a great succinct, but sums up everything. He's like, you're going to contradict me, you hip punk jughead. I'll slap your face. Anyway, it's just awesome. <laughs> threatening George. Uh, and then they're done. And they go and they leave. So short and sweet, but uh, it's all hitting all the best notes. Yeah, that's right. Of, of, of Savage. <laughs> So he's got his uh, yellow boots on and green trunks, kind of a lemon-lime look, I'd say, as uh, Macho Man, you know, makes his entrance to the ring with his music first, even though he's the champion. But uh, I heard, I think somebody else said the rule is always, it doesn't matter who's the champion, like to get the best crowd pop, yeah. you want to put the so-and-so out first. Yeah, and uh, and I, I just wish I could remember which one. Well, heel, I guess, because you want the baby face to come out second. Probably. I wish I could remember. It's pretty weak of me to bring it up. But anyway, he said, like, it just follows these natural rules. Because, like, he said, what am I going to do while I'm waiting for the other guy if I'm the blank? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. you got to do it in the right order, you know? And, like... Yeah. And uh, I, it was probably... Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, we, we'll get we'll get down to that. Because it was basically Greg Valentine's ring psychology... I think he was, and I, cause I remember when I heard him, I was like, no champion, always second. Right. <laughs> you, get, you get the dignity, the respect of being, you know, yes. of making them wait for you. But he's, you know, his, his idea was not that. Yeah. Anyway, we cut to George and mean Gene <laughs> and Gene, you know, as if he didn't have enough of a rough time getting bullied and threatened by Savage, he's going to get <laughs> slapped and, you know, put up against the wall, uh, you know, before long. George just grabbed him by the throat, you know, because George is only going to say That's one word really at a time. Funny. Grabs him by the throat. See, you know, yeah. probably they, he says he probably says surprise again. Anyway, and then he drags, you know, Gene instead of cameraman zoom. It's like Gene zoom. He, he drags Gene by the throat up to the close camera lens and. <laughs> And he's like, laughing so hard. yeah, he's like, I don't see, I don't see. Anyway, yeah. George goes away. Yeah, it's like he's, it's like he, uh, it's just smushes his face right into the camera. You know, he just feel bad for Gene, <laughs> who basically tries to straighten his collar and get it his composure. Me a little bit of the Andre on Bob Uecker, like you know, right? Like, yeah, that was a good, <laughs> a good little freeze frame. So it looks like the surprise is George the Animal Steel has his own little toy and he's going <laughs> to give it to Elizabeth. So he's coming to the ring with his LJN doll. And of course, he does give it to Elizabeth. You know, she plays the usual kind of, 
doesn't want to be rude, but knows right. that, you know, it's going to upset Randy. So she looks distressed because she understands Randy will be jealous. But she takes the doll from George. And then, of course, Randy comes over. He's angry and he grabs the, jo- the doll and the toy and throws it against the, the ring mat. And it bounces off into oblivion, obscurity. George attacks really quickly. The bell right. rings. Bell rings. Before Randy has even got his headgear out, George is choking him. You know, arms length, <laughs> hangman, strangle job. And uh, actually, Randy always looks cool with his sunglasses and his headband on still. That's so right, yeah. That does look pretty good. George drops him, gives him a boot to the head, and uh, you know, he, then he gets his shades and sunglasses off. And I'm always like, don't crush those shades. You know, they're yeah, probably yeah, yeah. like $100, $200, <laughs> which back then went... Meant a lot. And those dollars, $80, 1980s dollars. Uh, George Animal Steel, he kind of puts a, a headlock onto to George and, and he looks like he's going to bulldog him. But instead of a bulldog, he just rams Randy's head into the second turnbuckle. Randy's so <laughs> dazed and stunned that he takes a swipe at the ref. That's right. He's able to uh, stay out of harm's way. Uh, and then we get a repeat of the same spot again where uh, George rams Randy's head into the turnbuckle. There's a body slam twice. <laughs> George body slams Randy and uh, then as uh, Randy is dazed from the initial onslaught George climbs up to the second turnbuckle looks to the dressing room starts waving his arms like he's right. calling for somebody I wonder who he could be calling for it's know. a big surprise mystery we never know maybe it's Captain Lou maybe but uh, we don't find out because Savage gets back to his feet. And because George doesn't see him, he basically can grab his face from behind him, just, you know, throw him <laughs> down to the canvas. You know, because George was up on the second turnbuckle, he, you know, just knocks the wind out of him. Yeah, takes Randy, a bump. Yep, takes a bump. Randy follows up with a, uh, a knee drop. No clap. <laughs> I like that Pedro clap when, when Randy delivers a, uh, his, his flying knee drop. Well, yeah. Randy's choking George on the top rope. He slings George from the top into the middle of the ring. Randy picks George up off the mat and body slams him. And then he climbs up to the top rope. That and then a lot of power. George is big. Yeah. McMahon points out that George is 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've ever tried to body slam somebody, if they're not helping you, they're not going anywhere. That's right. <laughs> Basically. And then you're like, and then your back is like, ah, it looks so easy when those guys do it. You know? <laughs> It's it, so often what you'll see is like the, in order to body slam a guy, first the guy will like take your arm and raise it so that he can get, you know, under your, to the side of you basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause if he just puts his, yeah, he's, he, you see time and time again, like the guy, he raises your arm before and then he gets into the body slam. So that's more like a, it's more like spinning, you know, yeah. like you kind of spin a guy, then yep. you really lift him. You know? Yeah. Kind of guiding him. <laughs> yeah. Pivoting they're, on the center of gravity. They're using their hand to push up and, yeah. and they're flipping themselves. And- Indeed. And. Now, you may have gone to our Patreon channel, and if not, we encourage you because we have covered in depth the ring bell heard around the world when Randy attacked Ricky Steamboat with the, the, the timekeeper's bell and crushed his larynx. It's not on our regular feed, but we do have, I think, finally, we got some bonus content. Did we finish that one? Uh, it's, uh... <laughs> it's on the way. <laughs> it's in the works. If you gotta, you, folks, you gotta corner us. You gotta demand right. that Patreon content. That's Write right. us a letter and say, "Come on, guys! I paid three bucks, and I got one thing on the Patreon." <laughs> well, one day there will be Several content. Shows. Yeah, so we we have recorded uh, an in depth look, and we covered the match itself. It was the early days, and was yeah. Anyway, so um, we do encourage you eventually. To think about Patreon, and uh, and we'll we'll uh, make it worth your while. 
<laughs> with lots of good content and fun in-depth analysis of Paul Orndorff and Ricky Steamboat versus Randy Savage. But in the meantime, Randy Savage is wrestling George Animal Steel. And so suddenly the original audio cuts out and the Bushwhacker theme comes on. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It's not the Bushwhacker's theme, but it sounds close enough yeah. to just completely take me out of the moment. And yeah. Savage looks stunned because what we're supposed to hear is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's theme music, which we all yeah. recognize. And instead, they are too cheap to pay the rights for this music that they used in 87 and 86. And they've got this music that they do own the rights to, and it sounds like crap. And I say, boo to you. Yeah, kills it does kill it anyway so out of the back ricky steamboat comes and he's in his civilian street clothes um well he does shed his top and he looks just as ripped and as sh- uh, shredded as ever yeah. and uh savage is completely uh bewildered and um you know not happy to see that ricky has recovered from his injury and is yeah. back for revenge so so this chaos ensues because actually savage is on the top turnbuckle watching this you know right, yeah. where he would normally deliver you know either his double axe handles to the floor or to the middle of the ring or his finishing flying elbow that's right and as a, and as a viewer this is this certainly was the first time i saw ricky steamboat getting physical or even you know even just being out at ringside since the injury other than watching those like ricky's trying to learn how to speak again vignettes we didn't see him. We know he was on house show matches before this, but that's not what the general audience knew. They just know this. The other travesty is that you don't get to hear the audience pop, the cheer for Ricky Steamboat when he comes out to challenge Savage. Yeah. Like, there's crazy cheers. They're so excited to see him. Yeah. And instead, we get this, what sounds like discontented muttering at a bar. <laughs> well, this terrible Bushwhackers fucking theme plays. It's awful. Shame on them. Anyway, so uh, he's pointing at Randy and he's making karate chops and doing the whole like, I'll break you like, a, you know, I'll snap right. you in two threats. Randy gets caught, a la Ric Flair gets caught up there all the time. Um, <laughs> but Randy's at the tippy tippy top. Yeah, anyway, right. so he's up, he's up so high that he's actually kind of like got to put one hand on George's hand to yeah. post. Yeah, and yeah. then he gets the body slammed from the top rope. Boom. George slams him to the center of the ring. Then George picks him up and throws him over the top rope. <laughs> and Bobby Heenan shows up with a $50,000 bounty and That's say, right. you collected it. You've eliminated him. He's out. His career is finished. He's over. He's cooked. <laughs> Just kidding. So uh, Randy's outside. George, finally, we get to see some goofy shuffle, which we love. That's, That's what we, right. the yeah, boogaloo. Yeah. We hadn't seen this yet because he went right to the fighting. He didn't do any spooking boogaloo shuffle. <laughs> I, you know, when he's doting for Elizabeth, he's not doing his crazy, spooky, funky yeah, chicken. Yeah, funny stuff. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why I don't like it. He's just fawning for Elizabeth as opposed much, to being, yeah. you know, like, doing <laughs> <laughs> weird, funny stuff. Anyway, speaking of Elizabeth, George abducts her. <laughs> crazy. Yes. Uh, Steamboat slamming the apron with enthusiasm. George goes over, picks up Elizabeth, goes to the back with her. And it's awesome. <laughs> Jesse's just all over. He's like, that's kidnapping. That's right. He's going to go to jail. <laughs> it's just it's great. All night he's on about that. When Randy Savage realizes what's happening, Steamboat blocks his passage right. to the back so that he can't go and collect Elizabeth. And he has to carry on with George has gotten away. And he looks like King Kong carrying Fay Ray. And McMahon points to all the fur he's got just about as much. The refs remove Steamboat. And then they start to show clips of Savage attacking Steamboat's throat with the ring bell from the top rope. Yeah, yeah. Then we go to a ring, sorry, a TV break. When we come back, the refs are trying to get Steamboat 
away from the ring, and George returns. He gets into the ring and slams Randy's head into the top turnbuckle. <laughs> Steamboat eventually leaves, but it's cops. <laughs> Hogan's rent of cops. <laughs> I've escorted Steamboat. That's the only way they can get him away from the match. Again, Steel slams Savage's head into the turnbuckles. And then it's lunchtime. <laughs> we start eating foam, turnbuckles, and like the, the match basically... It's a very lenient referee we have here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Indeed. Uh, George starts to rip apart a turnbuckle, the foam padding that he always does, which signals basically no more wrestling match. You know, Randy grabs George, but he gets foam in the face. (laughs) The ref tries to admonish George, get him back to this. After all, he's trying to win the Intercontinental title. Ref gets some foam in the face. McMahon does have an interesting take. We'll just let you listen to how McMahon describes it. About time somebody takes control of something here. The animal taking control of the... Turnbuckle, what's he, all that stuffings and whatever, he's sort of fond of it, as you know. Now he wants, he's going to give some to the Macho Man. Now look at that, McMahon, flagrant use of a foreign object. He's look, even, it throws he, at the referee's he's face. He's sharing it with the referee. Sharing it, that's what you call it, sharing it. Someone's got to take control, Jack Tunney or somebody, and suspend this guy. Like I said before, you have to have a certain amount of latitude. You see, everybody, just like a good kindergarten, but he's sharing. I love it. We get a foam rake, as uh, George will do when somebody tries to uh, interrupt his fun. And then he body slams Randy Savage. And then he attacks a different turnbuckle, and he's tearing that one apart. The camera gets real close, so the camera gets a face full of uh, foam. Randy comes in, and but George again bulldogs Randy, but this time Randy pushes him off. And uh, George does a, almost a leap so that he looks like he takes the top turnbuckle in the gut, and he, it's unclear as to whether or not he goes far enough to injure himself on the steel ring post outside. Yeah, that, that high hit there usually does the head on the post kind yeah, of style. Yeah, could be. So that really injures George Steele, and Randy begins his assault. He's kicking George. He gets him into the corner. He's punching him, and he's elbowing him and he's choking him and he's laying the boots on and now George is just having to take it all. But he is in the corner on his on his butt so the ref pushes Randy away. Randy comes back. George rallies with his fist, both of them, both of them. and his teeth, all of them. Well, as many as he had, the ones in front. <laughs> and that nasty green tongue. You can get a look. He, get, he uh, grabs some hair and slams Savage's head into the turnbuckle. McMahon is just so cheering for the good guys here that he's condoning every illegal thing that George Steele does. George starts chewing on Randy's Savage and then just, I just got to play it for you, you know, because you got to hear it from his own mouth. George the Animal Steele, he's biting. Now look at McMahon. What more are they going to put up with from this guy? Look at that nasty green tongue lapping about. I mean, he tears apart turnbuckles. He bites. He pulls hair. Ooh, I have never once seen Animal Steel use a wrestling hole. Not exactly a scientific matchup. I agree with you there. But then again, there's that tongue again. But then again, you'll never see a scientific match with George. He's biting again. No, he's not. Look at that. He's not. What do you call that? He's just salivating on him. That's all. He likes to salivate. There you have it. Salivating. That's all. Just a little bit of innocent drooling. Innocent. Yeah. McMahon is hilarious. And I love how Jesse is the voice of reason and law and order in this match. So Randy boots George. He whips him into the ropes, of course. And then we have this a weak clap, unlike my beloved Pedro knee drop. And this usually signals like this is not going to work. You know, when he kind of limply holds his arm out for George to chomp on. Just like slap some barbecue sauce on there. And sure enough, George goes for it every time. 
<laughs> chews on Macho Man's sort of inner elbow bicep, and Macho Man is just like, ouch, 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 for a good 10 to 12 seconds until a familiar spot. They kind of make their way towards the edge of the ring when they're standing by the ropes, and then Savage will use his other arm to club George from behind, and George will take the force of that blow and actually go over the top rope, breaking the hole, or breaking the bite. <laughs> the bite hole. <laughs> now George gets really familiar with the 1970s wrestlers, he goes to his foreign object when he was a heel. Right, yeah, yeah, that was a surprise. Totally a surprise that, it, that he pulled that out. Yeah, as a face, we haven't seen him do this. No. But he pulls out this big, huge, whatever it is, you Abdul know. Abdul the Butcher style yeah. kind of pokey thing. At least we don't see any shiny metal. Like, nope. you know, you would see a fork or a spoon and you'd be like, yikes. Yeah. But it's a very, you know, he's... He's playing it just like a classic heel, hiding it only from the ref. And uh, yeah, he, he just like gives it to Savage with this foreign object. And I'm surprised Savage doesn't blade, but he doesn't. And the ref is suspicious. He's up, <laughs> he knows that George is up to something. And I have a feeling, like I said, that this was like the standard operating procedure for George Steele under Lou Albano. Oh, I saw some heel matches of his. He, I definitely like to carry the foreign object in the waistband of his tights or whatever. And yeah. So the ref is looking for it. That's right. And like George, like it turns his back to the ref and he sticks it down his front. And at one point it's kind of like George's trunks are black and with a stripe of red. So you can really easy see this pale hand comes up from underneath. He's like groping around his legs and it's like, it almost looks like he's copping a feel because he's oh, like, trying, yeah, I know, but he's trying to find the foreign object. And, uh, the ref is really admonishing George. Like, is he, he's like, he's certain that there's something. So the, so the ref gives George a little shove, like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. this is serious. I'm and the then, boss. Yeah. So uh, George, being, you know, part beast, gives the ref a big push. Yeah. And I thought that was going to be a, d- yeah. a DQ right there. Like both turnbuckles, throwing the ref down, foreign object. Like what else yeah. does he have to do to get disqualified? Yeah. Outside interference. <laughs> Basically. It's, Abducted a woman. <laughs> carte blanche. And so the ref, I suppose, is like, well, I pushed him first. So he doesn't disqualify George. Okay. Very well. Uh, I guess Flair never got, never got disqualified for pushing Tommy Young before he got took the bump. Right. Those are awesome exchanges. <laughs> now, Randy had actually found his way outside of the ring while George is doing his whole hiding the uh, foreign object from the ref. So Randy grabs the ring bell. And at one point when the ref has taken the bump, you know, and been shoved by George, something distracts him so that Randy's able to hit steel from behind with the <laughs> ring bell. Yeah. The referee doesn't see it. So the match continues. Fair is fair. That's right. Randy does indeed get the pinfall, and then he drags George and Animal Steel into the center of the ring, and he grabs the alarm bell. This time he doesn't care if the ref sees him because he's That's already, right. won, he the already match. won the match. It's time to do the real damage. Yeah, do what he did to Ricky Steamboat. But Ricky's not going to let that happen to his friend, and he returns to the ring. That's right. And Randy scrambles. He runs away. No Elizabeth, no gold, nothing. He's just <laughs> a cornered rat, and he won't be able to pull his illegal career-threatening Injuries to George Steele. Ricky's there to look after his friend That's who right. has still yeah. taken it. He, he did get hit. He already got hit in the head from behind. That's right. By the ring bell. Yeah. Eventually, George wakes up and we get a whole kind of like post match how to train your animal. He basically, like, I love it. He's cuddling, you know, he's like stroking his head, you know, yep. like poor, yep. you're like Petting a pet him, yeah. or a dog, you're like poor yeah. beast. And then George wakes up, Aah! 
from me, you know, being knocked out by the belt. <laughs> and he, for comfort, he crawls over to his pile of confetti. That's right. I and love he, it. Yeah, he's crawling basically like, you know, his legs don't work. He's like, oh, it goes to the confetti. And so he's like playing with it. And then Ricky Steamboat will, bring, will grab a handful of it and just like let it sprinkle it over his That's head. Right, like, like snow falling. Yeah, snow falling. George like, nice. <laughs> I was actually getting a pretty big kick out of yeah, it. Yeah, like, I liked it too. All these little details. It's like, again, I've you know seen this card a hundred times, haven't seen it in 30 years or whatever it is. So it, would I have started talking about the confetti if I hadn't no. watched this match? No, no, but like watching it back, I'm like, oh yeah, I just, I just could like, you know, it's a deja, deja vu or whatever, right? Like, or, Yeah, his commitment to character is totally awesome, George Steele. It's so great. He's a t- tremendous performer. You know, it's it's you're you're not going for athletic value in a George Steele match, but they're great anyway. I love them. Yeah. By the way, for those of you who uh, have never seen us, I'm going to say Corey's got a bit of that George Animal Steel. <laughs> yeah. uh, hello, uh, I don't have a green tongue. Uh, got a bit of hair on my back, but uh, not that much. You're not as hairy, but I was like that. If Corey had to be a wrestler, <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's a he's a shrunk down George Animal Steel. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no beard, shaved head, the tongue is pink. Anyway, <laughs> me, I like to think of Rick Rude, maybe. I <laughs> Never mind. Buzzer. Yeah, that's good. I'm about to say the buzzer's coming over that one. <laughs> All right. Obviously, I'm going for the Savage, uh, the no steroid Savage. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd like to point out <laughs> the cover up myself with a rodeo clown outfit and <laughs> only show my arm, Savage. <laughs> Um, but remember, I think fucking um, it was uh, Bundy who said what well, he said. Like, ah, Savage way to book eighty yeah, like, yeah. or something. He just yeah, really yeah. dismiss him. I was like, geez, you know, because I, I weigh more than that. But anyway, but Savage obviously athlete. Like, yes. Savage is like, and plus uh, a really strong guy. I did meet him in person, but I'll we'll wait till we get closer to that because uh, I was more like nineteen or twenty when that happened, and I'm fourteen in these days. So yeah, Savage is gone, and uh, but we're not quite done. A little more shtick when George finally gets to his feet he comes to his senses to understand enough that there's a crowd so you know he gets his arm raised by steamboat and the crowd pops and cheers because he's on his feet and and then you know he laughs he's like oh there's a stagger falls into the corner like oh no poor george and then steamboat has to basically escort him out yeah and as he's escorting him out he's still doing the 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 turnbuckle stuffing and the <laughs> well ricky grabs george's arm and waves bye-bye for him that's right you know bye-bye you know but ricky's doing it for george <laughs> yeah. so yeah now that uh, i wasn't looking forward to it but i definitely now enjoy because this is the you know not so much of this stuff over in the nwa no you know <laughs> this this guy who yeah, is boogie uh, woogie and that's about it <laughs> what's that yeah boogie woogie and that's about it yeah Exactly. They're all the pretty serious. E- even the characters are Russian athletes. Yeah, Russian that's right. wrestling representative, you know, yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. show wrestling superiority athletic commission. Yeah. Um, the Golos work for the Kremlin. They're not threatening to bomb the US. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That was hilarious. Nikolai Volkov is gonna wipe out North America with nuclear weapons. <laughs> okay, and this card continues on. No tag team matches, all singles. The next two matches are both going to be matches that we see at WrestleMania 3. So this is in a way is really kicking things off. Of course, the next Iron Man event is the go-home main event, let's call it, for WrestleMania 3. Big things happening there, but we have obviously have to track ourselves back to this Saturday night's main event 
to see the beginnings and certain certain feuds are really crystallizing. So the next match... Well, absent, or rather conspicuous by his absence, since you mentioned WrestleMania 3, is Andre. Not a hair of him. This Right. So remember that this is recorded two weeks before it airs, slightly more. His only appearances in December... One of them was like filmed in Europe. Like, you know, I'm not, we'd have to line up the dates to see like when he's actually being interviewed by, uh, when you actually see Andre with Jesse, let's say that's when, you know, he's back in North America and that was sometime in, in December. So yeah, it might just be one of those cases where, I mean, they're keeping him out of things intentionally, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's all mystery, right? And he's not really ready to wrestle per se. So he's just. And the machines that like all happened so fast. They came and they went and yep. you know, now there's no machines, no Andre. Like this Saturday night's main event, you wouldn't even know Andre the Giant ever existed. That's right, yeah. <laughs> but you got plenty of build for the Savage Steamboat WrestleMania 3 Yeah, so, match. That's, so that's what I'm talking about is that you basically, you have the the Savage Steel is really the setup for Savage, still part of that Savage Steamboat setup because Steel's in, in Absolutely. Steel's corner. And then these next two matches are WrestleMania matches. And, we, we, you know, whatever. So uh, let's move on to the next match. And that's the King Harley Race. One of Bobby Heenan's men taking on the Junkyard Dog, returning to glory on Saturday Night's Main Event after sort of, you know, losing his spot for a little bit there. You know, he was so important in the initial Saturday Night's Main Events. Then he kind of got shuffled to the side. And now he's back. And there ain't Jimmy Hart staring across the ring from him. But uh, Junkyard Dog doesn't like Bobby Heenan either. So here we right. go. So what the first thing they're going to do is show us the coronation footage, of course, of Harley Race being crowned the king. And it's an iconic, classic scene. All the heel wrestlers, including some of the heel jobbers <laughs> in, in there with them. Yeah. Some of the guys didn't want to do it. And Harley flashed a pistol. And they're like, okay, okay, we'll go, we'll go. We'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the locker room, he's like, you're getting in the ring. <laughs> of course, Heenan proclaims that Race is the, is the king of all of wrestling and all will bow in servitude, Harley Race says. It's funny because Gene says, okay. And uh, he tries to ask Bobby a question, but then Harley Race pulls uh, Andre the Giant on Bob Uecker and he basically puts his hand on, like, mean Gene's having a rough night. He gets a hand on the on the side of his neck like a nerve hold and Harley Race forces him down. Bow. Yeah. yeah. Bow before the king and, you know, poor Gene's selling. Uh. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's pretty funny. So Gene, once he gets let go, he kind of straightens his collar and he doesn't look too impressed. And he says, well, you're not going to get the junkyard dog to bow like that. And <laughs> great. He says, uh, that miserable mud is going to be bowing. He'll be bow wowing. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they head back to the ring as Harley Race comes out to his theme song. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. He's coming I, out to I his talked music. about, I sang it. He sang it. Um, so McMahon's calling out race for picking on Gene and Jesse says, good, someone ought to be picking on him. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And then Jesse brings up that, of course, Vince McMahon calls Harley race the self-proclaimed king. And Jesse corrects him by saying, well, Harley race won every king of the ring there was. And McMahon points out that that's right, but there was only two of them. And that just leaves me with this big question of like, I know he won the king of the ring tournament in 86, I haven't come across any other King of the Ring listings, any other house shows that had a King of the Ring tournament. So I don't really know what they're referring to. It's possible I missed it, but I think they're just making it up. Like, I think they're just making up the fact that he won a second tournament to further establish himself as the king. And that's where he beat Pedro in the end? uh, Yeah, that's right. Hmm. Well, help us out, listeners. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get to the bottom of this. Yeah. So Race, of course, is coming in with his crown and cape. 
And Jesse says, talks about how he, he looks so regal in there, he needs a throne. <laughs> McMahon's got a good one. He's like, that's where he does his best work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> McMahon's always loved toilet humor, so, you know, you got to go with that. So we go back to Gene, and he's with the Junkyard Dog. And uh, Junkyard Dog is a little bit more, um, how do you say, uh, uh, we can we can tell what he's saying a little bit easier this time. He's not quite getting as uh, down low as he does in some of his promos. But basically, like, this country never had no king or no queen. And the only person this m- my mama ever told me to bow down to was the good Lord above. And then he looks at the camera and it's kind of cool. It's almost like he breaks, breaks you know, character a tiny bit. And he's like, hardly race. Who the hell do you think you are? Or something like that. And it just, yeah. I don't know, he just kind of changed the way he's talking. It just like, really stuck out to me. Like, he's, he's really mad. <laughs> you know, like, you can go get him. So, of course, he comes out to grab them cakes, which he's been, you know, coming out to for a long time. He's got the white tights on, his chain. Again, this is just kind of important to see Junkyard Dog kind of reestablished as this character on Sirensman event and how important he was in 84 and 85. And things are slipping here in 86, the end of 86, but uh, he's, oh. he's not gone. He's not gone yet. One foot in the dog pound. That's right. So one once paw. he's get to the ring. He's got one paw in the dog pound. That's right. We spot Danny Davis in the ring, and Vince McMahon is not happy. Vince McMahon hates Danny Davis, and Jesse again is defending Davis. And so as the match is about to start, Heenan insists that the dog bow. So Junkyard Dog turns around and bends over to show his ass to Harley Race. So that gets a good little laugh and pop. And we get a little bit of a Piper inset promo as they go to commercial. As they go to commercial. And when they come back, there's there's almost like a standoff and Junkyard Dog got his fist clenched. He's ready to fight. And Danny Davis will have none of it. He's a tr- law and order man here, you know, no no closed fists. So Danny Davis does this great distraction job on Junkyard Dog, trying to get him to like unclench his fist. And as he's doing that, Raleigh Race just pops him in the face. <laughs> so yeah. I really like it. So yeah, he hits him a few times and right away dog goes to his like stunned, you know, rigid corpse pose thing where he just falls like a mannequin. You know, Rigor Mortis. Rigor Mortis is set in. So there's an elbow drop, an early cover attempt, and it's a two count. And then there's a punch and a whip that leads to like I got I got you know, I don't mean to be mean because he he does this well, but this has got to be the weakest high knee from Harley Race I've ever seen in my life. Like he he barely gets off the ground. Like he it, you know, maybe he's too close. I don't know what it was. But I've seen him do really good high knees, you know, in, in matches, even in the WWF in this era. Like he was good at it. But this was not one of them. So he hits Junkyard Dog with a high knee and he sells it as if it was a great one. And then Jesse really starts talking up about how Harley drops the most vicious knee drop. And I will beg to differ that Dynamite Kid was dropping those vicious knee drops, but Harley Race's knee drops look very good. And right on cue, as if he's listening to Jesse, he does drop that knee on Dog's head for more punishment. So once Dog is back up, Harley forces him into the ropes, lands a punch, but the counters come and Dog starts getting the punches in one after the other. He whips Race from corner to corner and Race just spears himself into the post. He goes down shoulder first through the ropes into the post, just like we talked about earlier in the, in the show. It looks really rough on him. So Davis is doing a great job of running interference as Dog is, uh, you know, trying to get at him. But, you know, he, Dog doesn't allow Davis to completely derail him. So he hits like a palm strike, something I've never really seen Dog do before. Kind of gives him an open hand palm, kind of strike almost to the throat or something or the face. Hard to tell. And then a headbutt. And, Do- and that, of course, sends Race down to the canvas. But he gets up quick as Dog is getting him back up. He slips in the eye gouge on the junkyard Dog to kind of distract, you know, take him out of his stride, get back in the advantage. Gives a punch and it sets up that belly-to-belly suplex. So the second time we're talking about him hitting that belly-to-belly. But he doesn't go for the cover. He makes a big mistake. This is where Harley Race goes for like what I'm going to say is like a dynamite kid-like falling headbutt. (laughs) For disastrous results. 
So he lands the headbutt, but he sells it as if he was the one that took the headbutt. So Dog just sits up like the Undertaker, and Race does a face plant. Yes, somehow. Uh... Black people have hard heads. What the hell? Or at least oh, Junkyard geez. Dog and Tony Atlas and yeah, yeah <laughs> all and Samoans. That, that, and <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, I think that I, hope, I think they discontinued that. Uh, yes, that's right. Understated. understated. Yeah, I don't know how you get to claim if you get to be a headbutt guy these days in wrestling. I don't know what uh, <laughs> what does it or not. McMahon calls Ray stupid <laughs> for even trying the headbutt, and Jesse's defending him, of course. And this is where the dog starts doing his crawling scuttle headbutts. He's he's taken over from Paul Orndorff earlier in the card. So Junkyard Dog at this point takes Harley Race, sends him corner to corner. Harley just takes this awesome bump over the corner, backwards spill over the ropes to the outside, all the way to the outside. And Heenan's just desperately trying to get Race back to his feet. So this is where JYD goes out and he gets the cape and the crown and he brings it back into the ring and he puts it on. And he's, he's doing his little silly, you know, little strut around the ring and pantomime kind of stuff and making fun of the whole thing. And at this point... Bobby has had enough. <laughs> so he charges into the ring and he basically like tries to punch Junkyard Dog in the back of the head, which doesn't really do much other than move the crown a little bit. <laughs> so Junkyard Dog turns around and it's a great long delayed slow pause where he finally gets a hold. He stalks Bobby and he grabs him by the hair and he just holds him and winds up forever, gives him the big punch. Heenan does the classic flip flop, goes over on it. And then he tries to get Bobby up. He's going to punch him more. But Bobby, at least at this point, is grabbing Junkyard Dog's wrists, so he's trying to, like, prevent him from landing any more blows. Junkyard Dog gets a couple more shots in, but not much. But we see Harley Race climb to the top rope behind Junkyard Dog, and he comes off with a really nice-looking elbow on, like, sort of the, you know, the trap, like, right on the side of the neck and the shoulder, really nails Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog just goes down like he was shot like a sniper. He's just out. So we see elbow drops rain down as Heenan gets in some kicks, and the bell rings. So finally, after all this, Davis has rung the bell. But Danny he's d- Davis has disqualified Harley Race. You're, we're not sure yet. We, we think so. You know, you never know because Junkyard Dog punched Heenan. So <laughs> you never know what Davis is going to do, right? So the, the bell rings and there's this double team going on and Bobby Heenan is laying in the boots. And Davis just does very little as he just kind of stands there as it's going on. McMahon's and why isn't he doing something? And Jesse's like explaining, hey, he's not a wrestler. You know, he, 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 he rang for the bell. He did his job. Harley switches to knee drops at this point over and over. I think it's about five knee drops in a row. It was really vicious. And Heenan goes and reclaims the robe and the crown and puts it back on Harley. At this point, we hear over the speaker, JYD is announced as the winner by DQ. Davis walks over and raises the dead man's hand, drops it, and then walks away. <laughs> so Race can go back to beating on him. It's pretty good. I like that. So at this point, Heenan's got Dog up on his knees, holding him open, and they're trying to force him to bow, bow to Harley Race. But the dog starts to rise, and he butt bumps Heenan, and the camera works perfect. Heenan takes this huge spill out of the ring just off a butt bump. He goes flying through the ropes all the way outside, spills out, and then Harley bails out. His dog lunges to pursue him. And this is where ref of the year Danny Davis springs into action, and he dives on Junker Dog's waist from behind. He's got him in like a waist lock. And then, so basically, Dog comes back into the ring and starts going around in circles, trying to like shake Danny Davis <laughs> off of him. <laughs> Looks pretty funny. He finally does get him off of him, and he gets a one hand of hair, two hands of hair, and he waits for a second and davis is just pleading and pleading and he plows him with a headbutt <laughs> just nails him and he has a guilty conscience <laughs> maybe <laughs> and the fans are just delighted and mcmahon's like get him dog get him <laughs> he's just uh, he's just all over it and jesse's uh, you know admonishing mcmahon for you know saying so this that is he the thanks be- he gets for giving dog the match yeah that's right <laughs> 
So Doug, it's funny, Doug goes over to like Dane Davis and just taps on him a bit and pats him and then like helps him up into the corner and like, and then just leaves him there. Very bizarre. And then like, it's are you like, okay? The guy who like, just yeah, yeah, headbutted like, him. He's like, okay, I've given you a headbutt. Are you like, is that, you know, are we good? I hope you, this was, it hurt me more than it hurt you. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to do it. So of course, Dog's music playing and he starts dancing for his fans and that's how the match ends and we, we, we head out and we've got the next match, another WrestleMania three big matchup that's been going on since, the, you know, basically since the end of the summer. And that's our man, Roddy Piper against Adrian Adonis. Yeah, that's right. Two of these are our WrestleMania three ca- yeah, cards. Exactly. Um, the other one's building Savage that's and Steamboat. Yes. Right. <laughs> and Hogan Orndorff was the, the backup plan. <laughs> Indeed. Wait a minute, this down. Look. Hey. What's going on? What's going on? You got the JYD roughing up a referee. A referee who has just awarded him the match. This is what he does to a referee that give him get the him decision. Dog. Get him, get him, dog. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it, McMahon, that you would sit here and cheer watching a referee get abused by a wrestler. The man should be suspended indefinitely. I agree with you. Danny Davis should be suspended indefinitely. No, no, not Danny Davis. That man right there, the JYD. Danny Davis got what he had coming to him, no question. I can't believe, McMahon, that you would advocate violence to a referee. The King on his way back with his crown intact. And now, here, show you what oh, kind yeah. of gentleman this oh, is. Yeah. See, now the JYD knows he might be facing suspension, so he's Help trying to back up. right now. What a match. So Mean Gene is with Jimmy Hart, Adrian Adonis, and the Silver Drapes are back. <laughs> We see a clip again of the crutch hit and Gene Okerlund asks Adrian Adonis why he would want to come back so soon and face Piper who did so much damage to him. Oddly, Adrian says, well, lean Gene. I'm not <laughs> sure why he says that. And, and Adonis, by the way, doesn't have a hat or dress on. He's just got this weird sort of like road warrior eye makeup on one thing, but not scary yeah, yeah. apocalyptic. Just that's still kind of like he could be gay. Yeah. Is all their guests they're trying to get at. And they still yeah. have him in these pink tights, but no scarves anymore. Yeah, he dropped a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. No bows in his hair. That stuff's yeah. all gone. And they're claiming that he's lighter. And Corey might have noticed. I yeah, the couldn't. way, I mean, he looked a little bit lighter. I mean, they he, they were announcing him at 290-something this in December. They're announcing him at 277. So there's, you know, when you're that big, it's, or, or, yeah. Hmm. Well, anyway, it's uh, not a great promo. Piper comes in. He also delivers a strange promo. He starts by saying, oh, I don't got a lot to say. But he goes on saying <laughs> uh, very little with many words. <laughs> what he does is, is eventually he kind of like, he ends up, I guess, trying to wing it. And instead of putting Adrian down, he kind of like builds him up. He kind of, he, he's just talking about, oh, sure, you don't get, I made a lot of mistakes. Sure, you don't get where I've been without making mistakes. But the shame, Adrian. It's not getting knocked down. It's not getting back up again. And then he realizes that Adonis is like the whole angle. He's back. So he's kind of like, so you can, you've done that. And that's good for you. But he he realizes that he's, you know, uh, crediting his enemy. He kind of like, I guess in a way, talked himself into not a put down, but rather complimenting his enemy. So he does a bizarre kind of muttering into the mic where I didn't really know what he had said because he looks, leans in close and growls some stuff that I I do now know what he said. 
And he gets mad. And then he says another strange thing. He says, it eats me that I can go out there. It's eating me alive that I can go out there and beat the crap out of you. And I'm like, what, what do you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. the thing that you go get your revenge and just like the most botchy promo that I've heard Piper give. It's kind of very strange. So he, finally he glares and growls at the camera. But it switches cameras so that. Piper's leaning and intimidating a camera that's the one that's not even trained on money anymore right the last second so it was a bad edit it's not his fault but then McMahon tells us that Piper has accused Adonis of prostituting his sport is what Adrian is what he's you know out of nowhere from the like giving him credit for getting back up then he says but you bad stuff I'm afraid yeah Piper is gonna whip them both anyway Jimmy Hart and Adrian Adonis. <laughs> Adrian is taunting Piper, leaning in, kind of got his chin stuck out, like, come on, get me before the match even starts. Piper has got his belt before he even gets into the ring. He takes off his belt and looks like he's ready to, you know, and yeah, yeah. He, he points at Jimmy. He's like, you, out! And then he like, takes <laughs> off his belt like a weapon and then uh, gets in there and Adrian's taunting. So Piper ends up starting the match by basically throwing his kilt over Adrian's face, yeah, so you know, he so likes that, that one. <laughs> yeah. And then and starts chewing on him. And then he's, yeah, he's biting so him he's, through the he kilt. That's how he started that uh, match against Morocco we covered like a little uh, while ago. He just throws the, throws the kilt right on his face. <laughs> right. And then at least he's got a little protection from those nasty teeth. He Piper right. starts chewing on Adonis's <laughs> on his head. You know, I found it strange the placement of this match. I'm surprised with Rowdy Piper's kind of like clout that he's the fourth match on this card. It kind of, um, it made me feel like they're already downgrading him and you know, we'll talk about it in another show, but basically, you know, there's a bit of a falling out between McMahon and Piper leading up to WrestleMania three. And I'm wondering if at this point he's already in the doghouse is some of this stuff already happening or is that a little, is that to come still? We'll, we'll find out, but yeah, you would have thought it would go third anyway. Cause I mean, yeah, I Savage believe, is, yeah, I mean, I can, I, I, I can understand, I guess the title match, even though I still think that both title point, matches. Yeah, of course the cage match, number one, for sure. But I almost think it would be like, this would be second based on the amount of buildup it's had, the lead, the lead up time, Piper's usual placement in this thing. So okay. it's interesting that he's, yeah, that he's it could fourth. have been second. Yeah. Uh, Savage got to be first last time. So that's right. Yeah. Him going third would be fine. Yeah. Okay. So there is a, a move that is sometimes called a beel throw or a hip toss. And what the heck? I finally now know that this alleged beel throw is spelt B-I-E-L. Right. There, it, it looks like hip toss, but there's a couple of these where there's no hips involved, really. Right, you yeah. know, they uh, Piper and Adonis kind of like, they're, the contact is forearms only, yeah. you know, but Adonis knows what he's supposed to do. So yeah, 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 he takes yeah. the big hip toss, you know, flip, full, yeah. flip and bump. Jesse yeah, calls a, it a beel throw. Yeah, a beel's more of a throw with your arm than with, like you're saying, like the judo throw with hip toss style right like, you know yeah because yeah. no hips involved here so so you yeah. get kind of both like mcmahon says right over the hip and jesse says what a beal throw there's a guy like there's guys like big show that would take small wrestlers because they could really do it to them and kind of just use their hands you know like put yeah. their hand on their chest hand underneath their armpit you know one on one and then just basically come out of the corner and like that motion of a hip toss without the hip <laughs> and just right. like that's the you know, that's kind of what that is you know the beal throw yeah a proper hip toss is more like say the abdominal stretch, there you, you know, yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. literally go over somebody's hip and yeah, it's more yeah. like, you know, center of gravity and spinning. Yeah. And like we were talking about with body slams, you're just kind of like, you know, you, there's a point in your body where you can yeah. just sort of rotate from your center of gravity. Yeah. 
And that's where how all these guys do these amazing flips, Flair and Adonis and, and you know, the guys that go up 180 degrees and keep going. <laughs> and then they're on their feet again immediately. Yeah. You know? So there are a couple of Beal throws because they're not really hip tosses. No. <laughs> a knee lift from Piper bangs up Adrian really good. And he gets tangled up sort of like he does a Andre tangle, but not just by sitting down. He like goes yeah, over yeah. the top rope course, and yes. winds up, you know, chicken winged. His arms yeah. are held behind his back by the ropes. Yeah. And uh, Piper kind of bounces off the ropes and gives him a big, almost basically stomp on like the, the neck and shoulder. Like it looks really savage while yeah, he's yeah. tied up and that. And uh, McMahon's loving it. And, you know, Jesse's <laughs> like, he's got to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Piper kicks him out. He's like, he's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I'm really enjoying uh uh, McMahon's belligerence on behalf of the good guys <laughs> in this episode. It's like McMahon is the uh, chaotic good character. He cheers for the good, break yeah, all the yeah. rules, beat up referees, <laughs> announcers, you know, doesn't matter, managers, you know, yeah. as long as you're like you're the good guy, it's great. Yeah. And Jesse, a lot of times, is like the lawful evil guy, yeah, like, yeah. you know. Um, in this case, though, finally there is, well, it carries on. It's great. I mean, like, eventually you catch him in a lie. But yeah, it's, even right. then it's great. You just love. So I was just having such a great time with Jesse and McMahon. They're making me laugh out loud. In a future episode, we'll assign D&D alignments to all of the announcers. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait till you find out what Lord Alfred Hayes is. <laughs> the Bastards. Piper, of course, has his signature move where he, you know, puts his hands to his ears and then flings his arms out, you know, like all the crazy things that are the demons, the, the crazy thoughts coming out of his brain. So he's he's pulling his, you know, sting, signature <laughs> taunt. He There's a corner whip. Adrian is upside down. But now Adrian does this flip where he's actually sitting facing the crowd. His back is to the ring and he's um, up sitting on the top rope. Yeah. Which you don't see a lot of, really. Yeah. It's like you could imagine somebody could get like an atomic drop. Somebody else could go yeah. on Brett's rope and yeah. get underneath him and give him like a super atomic drop. Yeah. Or, or actually, no, I, well, not, no, atomic drop would be bad because that would be putting back where they came exactly, from. Yeah. I meant like, I, I rather the back, the suplex, the yeah. back suplex that, sure. that has this, the, the atomic drop kind of grip. Yeah. So that would have been like a, almost like a superplex because he's sitting on the third, right? So yeah. I thought, oh, that'd be a neat variation of, of a superplex. Um, but instead, uh, Piper just kind of grabs his face, well, his hair, and like Adrian decides to stay where he is because he's got his feet hooked. <laughs> so Piper pulls him, yanks him back, and, yeah. and just starts chewing on him gnawing on his forehead adrian unhooks his feet and falls down in the corner he's on the he's on the canvas now piper gives adrian what looks like an irish whip but at the last second he won't let go of his hand so that adrian keeps running and then he finds himself kind of like the guy who you know if suppose i had your tie and you try to run away and suddenly yeah, yeah. you're caught by your tie when you're in full flight um you know his his arms held so he ends up just kind of like going horizontal and falling on his gut and yeah. like it looks it's just, it's a new bump can't name all these new crazy moves it can't keep up <laughs> new move coming up though <laughs> oh, what, did, did i already name it i think i did the pit drop the, or, yeah the pit drop yeah <laughs> that's right coming up at this point uh jesse gives us an update and uh mcmahon says that liz has been released from the uh protective oh, yeah. protective custody and jesse quips in with a pretty good yeah charges pending <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there is something that I want you to hear. Uh, Jesse starts, well, rather, McMahon complains about the pit drop because he's saying, look at that. He's going after that injured arm. And Piper you know, goes to the apron with Adrian's arm and then drops to the floor while holding his wrist, which, you know, drives that top rope into Adrian's armpit and, and you know, further works on injury. And McMahon's saying, or I, I, no, it's, it's, it's Jesse who says, Piper's showing no mercy. 
Jesse says, Piper's showing no mercy to that injured arm. He's complaining. And Vince is like, of course not, would you? And then you got to hear Jesse's reply. Piper! And look, he's going to work on that injured arm of Adonis right there. Look at that. No mercy on the part of Piper. Should he have some? Would you have mercy, Jesse? Yeah, it's possible I might. You know, I'm a good-hearted guy. Yeah. Yeah, we like Jesse. He probably would. He'd probably show a little mercy. Speaking of that, Adrian starts to beg for mercy as he's cowering in the corner and Piper's shaking his head. No, no. And then we get a little Tommy Rogers. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and then Gorilla Jr., Tony Morella. Uh, basically, this is off camera. Joe, but Tony Morella? Joey. Joey. Joey Jr. <laughs> Gorilla Jr. Joey. Morella. Gorilla Jr. He is admonishing Piper because Piper winds up his fist to give Adrian a big punch and it's blocked by the camera. But I know it when I see it. Morella grabs Piper's arm so that he can't deliver the closed fist. But even McMahon and Jesse don't see it. So Adrian sees it, though, and he gives Piper (laughs) the corresponding pop. And then the advantage turns to Adrian Adonis. He's able to take over and do some offense. But McMahon and Jesse uh, explain it instead. He says, that's the problem. Piper was busy talking when he should have been fighting. That's right. But no, it was the ref prevents the face from delivering the closed fists. (laughs) Classic bit. Now. Adrian Adonis reminds us of where he came from, the AWA, because he uses the Fern Ganyan. He breaks out his fingernails <laughs> and he rakes his fingers across Piper's chest, scrapes them from top to the bottom. Finger rake express. That's right. <laughs> and then we get the hug scratch. <laughs> yes. Patent pending. Where so we, Adrian, you know, from the front, he he wraps his arms around Piper, digs his nails in, and rakes his back, but you know, in a hugging position. <laughs> Piper's in a lot of pain. He staggers over to a corner and you know puts his you know also acts like his neck and back are injured because he's he's in a lot of pain. Adrian comes over, gives him a knee lift, and then one more rake, but starts with kind of like the Von Erichs would have occasionally claw you. Other than your forehead. Yeah. Like the Von Erich claw yeah. could be your gut. Like other guys yes. could put the claw. But Mar- Von Raschke, he did the forehead. Yeah, for sure. And there were other guys that did the claw that would sometimes do a stomach claw right. or something. Yeah. So Adrian gives Piper a three-second stomach claw yeah. and then a rake. <laughs> One more <laughs> scrape his belly. <laughs> Piper gets a belly rub. <laughs> Leg twitching. That's right. <laughs> Adrian goes for a huge haymaker, but Piper blocks it. He delivers his own huge fist and another big punch. And then he does a, which we didn't, a face buster, if you will, which is basically just grabbing the guy's head by the back, grabbing him by the hair and then slamming and falling with him, his face into the canvas. Yeah. Piper's looking to the crowd with his kind of crazy, I'm a psycho look, and it gives him another face smash. Piper whips Adonis into the ropes, but Adonis manages to reverse it and catches Piper in a sleeper hold. But Piper wastes no time allowing the momentum to carry them both through the ropes and they're on the floor, breaking Adonis's submission maneuver. Now it's all Piper. He starts punching out Adrian, and then he senses, his spidey senses, <laughs> Jimmy Hart's behind him, trying to get That's a sneak right. attack. Piper turns around, grabs him, gives him a pop. But somehow, in all this chaos, Adrian manages to get the diffuser, the spray right. bottle. Yes. And uh, another big laugh for me. Of course, Adrian starts to squirt Piper, and he blinds him. Well, I just just before he does well, hits that, him. Yeah, hits think, him first. I think the important thing is that Piper's, and getting at Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Hart ends up in the ring, I think. 
which Good distracts point. the ref. Yeah, like that's right. The whole right. point is you got to distract the ref before yep. you can do the. Thank the you. That's right. That's right. You do quite so. Storyline demands that in this case, otherwise, if if you didn't do that then there would be a disqualification and the heels would lose but this story is written differently the heels are going to win so Corey is quite right the referee does not see adrian use the big diffuser yeah he gets gets in about seven squirts yeah (laughs) and so piper's blinded yeah the ref doesn't see it which results in a count out piper does lose the match yeah but what i love the best is like so far Jesse's been telling the truth all night, telling it like it is. That's right. But I want one more to hear it from the man himself. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. Adonis just squirted Piper right in the eyes. No, 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 no. Not in the eyes. I'll tell you what it is. Obviously, Piper had a horrible case of bad breath. Halitosis had to be. Had to be. Piper blinded. There you have it. Bad breath. That's all. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know? right. Telatosis or something. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Jesse and McMahon are fucking hilarious tonight. <laughs> I also like how Jesse says, the question is, can Gorilla Jr. count to 10? <laughs> he doesn't say that. I didn't. It's just all these years I didn't know Morella was yeah, yeah. Gorilla Monsoon's son. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have known when I was watching back then. I found out fair, a long time ago. I don't remember when. But mm. it was, yeah. So the bell rings. And of course, because of Corey's uh, explanation, it is Piper who loses by count out. Yeah. He can't find to... the ring somehow. He's, yeah. leaning, he's leaning against the guardrail. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, yeah. Spidey senses dictate should tell you to go forward, yeah. <laughs> but no, he can't do that. The moment the the ten count happens, though, he finds the ring. <laughs> hmm. So when Jimmy Hart's approaching, he knows exactly who's what, where everything is behind yeah, him. Right. <laughs> you know, but then he can't. Eventually, he does get himself the ring. Gorilla Junior takes a beal throw. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> With a shirt on, McMahon. Jesse yeah, complains. that's a good one. <laughs> McMahon says he didn't know. He thought he was still in there with Adronis. He's blinded. <laughs> that's right. And then you start thinking that Piper's swinging because he doesn't know what's what. And then there's two refs in there. One's a lady. So you're like, don't hit the lady, Piper. But eventually somebody's got a wet towel to wipe all the poison, the perfume out of Piper's eyes. And they get that on his face and he realizes they're there to help him. And they escort Piper to the back. Yeah. Yeah. And this continues the storyline to bring us to WrestleMania 3. Again, this is one of those ones where I would have sworn that this ended, however the match ended, that it would have ended with Adrian putting Piper to sleep in the ring. Because I was expecting that when Piper got back in the ring afterwards, I thought Adrian was going to sneak back in there with him blinded, slap on goodnight Irene to humiliate him once again. But uh, that's not the way it went down. No, Piper does lose though. And uh, that gives... Which is big. You know, even a count out loss, that's... Uh... That's right. You know, remember, Lanny Poffo defeated Hulk Hogan. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Okay, we've got uh, a couple of promos coming up, and instead of trying to tell you about them, we'll let you hear them. That guy put me win the match. It was obvious, man. I should be the world's heavyweight champion. You, I mean, uh, you are the world's champion. Danny Davis was out You're there the to world's champion. Let, I will prove to you. How? Listen to me. You are the champion of the world, and That's I will right. prove it to you. I've never lied to you before, have I? No. Nope. And I'm not going to start now. Well, how are you going to I'm going to get the footage of tonight's match. What, what if it... Your feet touch first. You know it. I know it. The officials know it. The people know it. Hogan knows it. I'm going to Jack Tunney's office. I'm going to sit with him and have him view yeah, every man. frame of that film. It was obvious. And in one month, less than that even, that gold will be around your waist. Don't worry. I wanted to this... spend a little time in the locker room yeah. of tonight's challenger for the heavyweight title, Bob. Bobby Heenan, and you especially, Paul Ondorf, 
This can't be the way you wanted to start out the What do you year. mean it can't be the way I want to start it? Listen, I took the fight to Hulk Hogan, brother. Wait, wait. I took everything that he had to offer. Wait a minute. He wait was a, the one. No, 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 no wait. wait a minute. Wait. No, you wait, wait a minute. He Paul. weighed 300 pounds. I weighed 250. Paul. Paul. He Old still Durant. remains the heavyweight champion of the world, Bobby. What? He didn't try The camera don't lie. Hey, what? please listen to me. You're the champion of the world. You, I'm going to prove it. What are you this is take the way to we Jack wanted this. What are you going to take to Toronto? The footage of tonight's match to show that his feet touch first. Wait a minute. I was in the arena. I don't Ian. care about I you, pal. You no one invited you in here to begin with. This is the champion of the world. I, I will prove it to what you. What if Hogan gets a hold of the film and edits it? I've got what? it. I'm the brain. I've got the film. Don't worry, champ. Good enough for you. Don't me. worry, champ. All right, there is some celebrating going on in the locker room with the heavyweight champion of the world right now, Hulk Hogan. Come on in. You have got to be delighted with the way you have kicked off 1987. Well, you know, I don't know nothing about the agony of defeat, Mean Gene. Just getting off on the all-natural high of the thrill of victory, man. Everybody in this place knew I had Mr. Wonderful Beat, and I love it, man. I love it. Wait a minute now, Hulk. Everybody save one. I should point out that I talked to Bobby the Brain Heenan and Paul Orndorff earlier on in the program. And Heenan has promised that he is going to take actual footage from your title bout tonight to the World Wrestling Federation president, Jack Tunney. And he claims that Orndorff will be declared the heavyweight champion in less than a month. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mean Gene, everybody knows when they declared it a draw. Danny Davis declared it a draw. I hit the ground first. Then I went on to beat him again. But you know something, Mean Gene? Maybe if they did run the film backwards, like those old cartoons, man, maybe they showed Paul Orndorff leaping off the ground first. He'd never beat me. Well, I'll tell you what, Bobby Heenan is a very devious individual. I don't believe he can be trusted. And who knows what's going to happen up in Toronto at the World Wrestling Federation President Tunney's headquarters. Well, let me put it to you, Mean Gene, and all those Hulkamaniacs the way it is, brother. I'm getting off on this victory. I don't care what type of controversy Paul Orndorff or Bobby Heenan stir up. I'm looking forward to the new year, new challenges, bigger and better things. Man. All right, happy new year to you, champ. Let's wait and see what happens. That brings us to our last match. It's a big one. It's a squash match. Super one. No, wait, no, it is a big one. <laughs> it is the big one. Yeah, yeah the, big, not the, super big machine, one. the big machine one. It's the repackaged Blackjack Mulligan going back to his old character, but a good guy version of it, versus... Jimmy Jack Funk, the not-real-funk brother who came in to kind of help fill in for Terry Funk and stuck around for a while. I like Jesse says, who'd want to fight for Texas? Because <laughs> it's the Battle of Texas. <laughs> so there's a graphic they put up for it, and Jesse takes several cracks at Texas, but that's okay. Mulligan's outfit is sort of like he's in the jeans. He's supposed to look like a cowboy. He's got boots on. He's got this red button-up. It's almost like one of those full-body uh, underwear things. Jesse references it later. <laughs> I wonder how often he watches that. <laughs> Maybe it's a uh, Vader situation. Maybe he's kind of smelly. He's a big guy. So the thing is, is that Blackjack Mulligan has spurs on, <laughs> like these big spurs. And Jimmy Jack's like, no, no, he's pointing at it. So the ref comes over and makes him take it off. And it's, you know, it's well-timed. Blackjack bends over, takes off one spur, he's taking off the second spur, and Jimmy Jack attacks <laughs> as soon as he can because he needs a lot of help because he's outweighed by probably about 100 pounds and... Uh, Things don't necessarily going to go well for the masked man. And there are no other funks in town. That's right. Yeah, no Haas or, or Dory Jr. or Terry or any other kind of funk. Or Jimmy Hart. 
Yeah, not even a Jimmy Hart to help him out. Yep. So he gets a few a few strikes and he attempts a corner whip, which is reversed. If people don't know Jimmy Jack Funk's wrestling name. Uh, I'm not sure if it's his real name, but his other wrestling name was Jesse Barr. And he did a lot better in other territories before he came to WWF. So this Jimmy Jack Funk thing kind of is, you know, not a great, it's, it's good because national exposure, but it's not like a highlight of his career in any, you know, by any means, because he's, he's used pretty poorly. So he takes a, you know, a face first smash into the corner, not the Bret Hart style. He kind of just hits his sits and sticks. You know, he, he goes in face first and stays. And then Big Blackjack comes in with this really weak looking clothesline, but that knocks Funk over the top rope. Mulligan takes to the outside to chase after Funk, and he's smart. He uses the corner post, so he runs around the corner with Mulligan chasing him, and then turns around and kind of fires a forearm as Mulligan comes around the corner and hits him, stuns him a bit. So he charges at the big man, but it's really it looks really good. He, he gets caught with the back body drop. He just goes flying in the air on this back body drop on the outside. Lucky for him, they got mats at this point. This isn't the cement any the concrete anymore. So at this point, they start an inset interview with Blackjack Mulligan, which is going to basically take the rest of the match to complete. And while this is happening, Funk rakes the eyes. He tries for a body slam, but it's totally a failed attempt. It's very pathetic. He tries to lift him about four times. He doesn't even get his feet off the ground at all. It's pretty funny. Then Mulligan reverses that, and he picks him up. And he kind of does what I would call a half-press slam. So he picks up. Jimmy Jack Funk, like he's going to press him. He's got him up above his head, on, and he's kind of resting him on his head, but he doesn't extend his arm. He kind of just has him up there, but he's a big, tall man, so when you throw somebody from that eye up, it looks like a pretty devastating slam. So in this promo, Mulligan's bragging about this New Year's party, and he's going over to this guest list. Like, it's kind of a, a random promo that doesn't have anything to do with anything. You know, he's he's name-dropping all these people you've never heard of and makes some comment about his aunt and getting in the fire, you know, the, 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 the whiskey or whatever, you know, just kind of weird comments. It's hard to kind of put together with what you're watching but a little bit out of context. At this point, someone on a hot mic says, be quiet, like completely out of context. Like it's just, it has nothing to do with the show. It's not the commentators. It's not the interview. Mystery. Yeah, yeah. It almost sounds like Bobby Heenan's voice, but I don't know who the hell it is. Like it's just, it's really weird. Mulligan batters Funk to the canvas. Mulligan's beating Funk in the corner. And as he, ta- as he's, the promo's still going on, he's talking about his uh, his change of style and how it helps with his laundry. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what that means. Like, oh, was, they're probably talking about his big machine. I guess so. I, the only other thing I can think of is like maybe you know he used to do a lot of blading and stuff, so maybe he's not bleeding as much anymore. Mm. Like, I don't know. Or he did, yeah, because this is just his street clothes. Like, this is what he wears at his <laughs> ranch. That's I bet, right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So Funk is sent in for a whip and a decapitating clothesline. This clothesline looks good. Comes off the ropes, nails him, takes a flip. So Funk is begging off on his knees in, in the corner and Mulligan comes in, boots him in the gut, kicks him a couple times. There's a corner whip and Jimmy Jack Funk bounces back towards the middle of the ring and Mulligan nails him with this like flying reverse elbow. Um, it wasn't a move that I recalled being part of his arsenal, but it looked really good. It looked pretty devastating and he gets the three count. And I kind of wondered, like, what was going to be his finisher? Like, I wasn't really sure what he used in the WWF. I couldn't remember, you know, because his, his time here is so short. He has so few appearances that of any consequence. And uh, there it is. It's like, I, I don't know if he had, a, you know, <laughs> I don't know if he had some cowboy name for it, but flying reverse elbow, basically, was uh, was the finisher. But again, it's 19, it's still technically 1986 when they filmed this, 1987 when it's airing. But in that day and age, you know, that kind of move could be your finisher. Yeah. So Mulligan retrieves Funk's rope and bell from the corner, from Jimmy Jack's corner. And he decides he's going to hang Funk. (laughs) I'm not sure why. So Jimmy Jack at this point is sitting on the apron on the outside looking towards the crowd. And Mulligan comes over and puts the noose around his neck, but doesn't quite get it on. So Jimmy Jack has to help him with that. Oh, God. (laughs) He has to put it on himself. And then he's kind of getting hung for a second. Then he gets out of it right away and runs away. And he kind of scurries down the alley, you know, the aisle all crazy. 
And Blackjack Mulligan at this point is like swinging the rope above his head like a true cowboy and trying to, you know, bask in the glory of the crowd. And I just, you know, noted when I was looking through stuff, like if Blackjack Mulligan wasn't wrestling a bunkhouse match, then almost all of his house show matches were against Jimmy Jack Funk. So it's like these guys were just wrestling like several times a week, basically, you know, for a month leading up to this. So this this match was sort of just a continuation of all their house show matches. Right. Well, this is they're going to main event WrestleMania three. That's right. So we got a commercial and McMahon uh, comes back, reviews out, comes all the different matches. We get to see another replay of the spray to Piper's eyes. Um, we get to see a little clip of Steamboat coming to the ring to foil Savage. And then they get into the Hogan and Orndorff. And that's where Jesse's really arguing with him. You call it official. He's like, what's going on? Danny Davis was the senior official and he declared Orndorff the champ. So he's just still sticking with that, that he's going to be named the champ, that this is going to be overturned. <laughs> this whole ruling is not going to stand. And uh, they finish up with McMahon announcing the next Science Man event would be in Detroit which is important because, of course, WrestleMania three, Pontiac Silverdome, they're kind of, you know, the, the, the go-home show is going to be right in the backyard of WrestleMania three. And this ring man wishes everyone a happy new year. And Jesse scoffs and asks, what's so happy about it? <laughs> oh, Jesse, you Grinch. And the credits roll and Hogan celebrating. And we get to see that woman with her, uh, her LJN hugging Hogan again. And uh, that's how this edition, this episode of Saturday's Men Event comes to an end. Well, it didn't have my favorite match of all time, but that's okay. That can only happen once. It was a pretty good one anyway. Big yeah, things to come. I think the cage match makes it pretty epic. Everything else is good enough. You know, there's important stuff. It's all tied into WrestleMania 3. So, yeah, I uh, loved getting to watch it again. Um, really enjoyed these shows. And we'll uh, we'll move ahead. We're going to move on to that March 1987 Saturday's main event. It's Battle Royal. Ah. Jeff and I are going to figure out how we're going to cover that because that's going to be fun. Wow. And uh, that's there's a lot of big That'll names. Be a challenge. There's Jesus. a lot of big, lot of big names in that one, so that's a fun one. We'll come back with that. We got to get back to uh, wrapping up the 1986 Great American Bash with the uh, the second full card, plus following all the host shows, the, all the other bash cards. That's going to be coming up, and we will be going on a little bit of a journey. But we'll split it up. We won't do it all at once, but we'll, we'll release different parts of it at a time. But we're going to really kind of focus in on. Rick Martel and his chase from, you know, challenger to champion in the AWA and some of those title defenses he had that Jeff and I didn't get to watch on ESPN and all that fun stuff. So that's some of the stuff that's going to be coming up for you here at Legendary Wrestling Obsession. We're going to wrap things up, let you hear on how you can support the show, listen and follow us. Help us out over on Patreon. So to get there, you're going to do patreon.com forward slash legendary wrestling obsession. So that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon. You can also help us out with our Twitter stuff, or I guess it's called X these days. I'm not really up on this, but my my little birds turn into an X, and you know Elon Musk is changing things. I don't know. Doesn't matter. So, if you're a Twitter person or would like to help us out and start a profile just for that reason, wow, that would be incredible. It's at Ledge Obsession. So let me spell that out for you because they limit the characters. Capital L E G, capital W R E, capital O B S E. S-S-I-O-N. So if you could go on there, that'd be awesome because the more people that are following our little bits on Twitter, the more other people will see it, the more we can spread the show. We need your help getting the word out. I think that's going to be about it. Final words, Jeff. Thanks for tuning in. We're always happy to see these numbers are showing us that there are people out there taking in the show. So that certainly is greatly appreciated. Yeah, we like seeing the numbers ticking up. 
And the uh, all those American listeners, a shout out to you guys. That's where a lot of this new listenership's coming from. So we really appreciate that. And we love the American fans because that's where all this wrestling that we're you know we're really covering is mainly coming from is from you know American wrestling. So that makes sense that that's why we'd have American fans. Yeah, well, we here in Winnipeg had more in common. It turns out with uh, you know North Dakota and the whole Great <laughs> Ganyas or you know the AWA circuit. Like these these are the bonds that that uh, tie us together. Our love of wrestling. That's right. Forget about the borders. We're talking about wrestling. And Chicago, that was one of their strongholds, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all the time we got. See you next week. Yeah.